This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. This is a very special one. Brad Shoemaker and Alex Navarro. Yes. Very, very special. Brad, very special? Oh my gosh. In a very special edition of the Next Lander podcast, there was a Brad Shoemaker and Alex Navarro, Vinny Caravella, and we were joined by a fourth. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Look, we've been doing this for a while. We know very good podcast guests never talk until they're introduced, so we can just keep you on the line mm-hmm. waiting as we uh, kind of sit through. You guys want to talk about what's been going on just in the world? Yeah, what's in the news today? What you know, a rap about the, you know, the daily happenings? <laughs> Uh, you guys try out this new, what's up with Facebook and this new Twitter thing? I mean, really, guys, do we need another one? Have you heard the good word about intermittent fasting? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Metabolisms, how do they work? Daniel Dwyer is here. Hey, how you doing? Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's great that this is the, is this the, the two-year patron perk as you get to come on? <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. Once I've done 24 months, I get to, okay, we're, cool. We're cycling Excellent. through everybody, so it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be a heck of a time here. 
Uh, it's a and it's rolling, so you know, as people hit two years, we got to make sure they get them on. Okay, yeah. wow, you got a lot of podcasts coming up then. Yeah, uh, but we are we, uh, we are very lucky to have uh, partnered with NoClip because they will also do a documentary about you. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so you can choose either or. All, all, I don't of, need- all of this is way better than my planned bit about uh, announcing our merger the merger of our oh, that was, could you imagine <laughs> yeah we're getting everyone to band back together slowly but surely we'll create a a mother company that owns all of the splinters yeah i don't need more people telling me to do a documentary on you, you guys sure? please like oh, on us no you're gonna what, be doing documentaries on just our patrons what's the document <laughs> we sit at home and we do a podcast what are you talking about also how many tens like, are there tens of thousands of hours probably of us on, like, would you say uh, we're up to yeah, five to <laughs> that's true i mean it's going to come up we will, uh, the tapes i'm sure is the reason why i'm here uh and yes all of your secrets are mine uh daniel dwyer you are uh well pitch yourself because you're you're a entrepreneur out there <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah seven years on patreon coming up in september Jeez. um still still surviving just about uh something you guys now know all too much about <laughs> oh, as well. yeah. no yes. it's as uh, steady as she goes never uh, never even look at the graphs <laughs> it's fine right yes graftion is not in my mind when i close my eyes at nighttime <laughs> um yeah i i used to work with you guys in various capacities uh, mm-hmm. at GameSpot when i was there you guys were a giant bomb um i am largely here working in america because of my uh love of all your guys's work when i was growing up in ireland watching GameSpot at home i apologize my apologies i know (laughs) why you gotta make me feel like i'm 60 years old i know i'm so sorry (laughs) that's right it's bad my dad had your baseball card it uh Um, yeah, and I, I don't know, like seven years ago, I left GameSpot uh, and started Noclip, and we've been making documentaries about games development now uh, for, for quite a while, for seven years, where we're slowly running out of games, but they keep making new ones. Mm. So uh, recently, we've put up our documentary on Immortality, uh, which is uh, one of the games we really enjoyed last year. Uh, Vampire Survivors is going up pretty soon as well, I think next week. And yeah, we just, we make documentaries, we have our own little podcast, and we, you know, do other bits and bobs on the internet but mostly we're we're all about trying to preserve the i don't know the the secrets of games development and get i don't know to, to create like the whole point of it in the first place was to i don't know create more empathy between players and developers by trying to like create a bridge of understanding i guess with uh-huh. like the complexity of making games and um, this is something i'm sure alex knows all too much about having spent many years in that world and i think yeah it's 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 never stopped getting old which is great because you know it's it's tough work and they're big videos and it's a long you know big group projects and long edits uh but uh yeah it's it's still fun so long may that continue <laughs> If, also, if I just you, want to clarify real fast. It was like two years. It wasn't that many. <laughs> I wasn't there that long. How, how many did it feel like? At least a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex made Rock Band, if people don't know. It's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, I know. I invented it. Yeah. His name's right there on the box. It's right there. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that Vampire Survivors one because, I mean, A, I've been playing weirdly a lot of that game, but B, I can't think of a game that gives more of an impression that it just like emerged fully formed from like some primordial ooze you know it's like that game mm-hmm. crawled out of the ocean <laughs> like the idea yeah. that people made that it's just such a weird product so like i'm, I'm excited to see it, it i kind of did like it's into that 
It's it's fine. It's just it was mostly you know one guy who was like an Italian immigrant living in London who uh, had had like was crunching hard on a bunch of games in his regular job and decided to just spin up a project on the side that didn't require Unity because every time he opened Unity it made him sick mm. um, uh, to try and like make something fun and he just he threw it together and a bunch of his friends were playing it and he threw it up on itch. And it didn't sell. I'm spoiling the whole doc. Um, and <laughs> I was going to say, man, it's, it it's save this for the material, uh-huh. right? The the, the 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 hook for the doc is that Luca is very private. You may have noticed when they won the BAFTA, he did not go on stage. The rest of the team did, so he doesn't really do like interviews. Like he did a couple of text interviews, I think, uh, last year. Um, so he went on, uh, you know, talked to us, but he didn't want to turn his webcam on. So we needed something instead of his webcam so we had a custom puppet made okay. of a vampire oh that's fantastic and so i had to film so there's there's a lot of like zoo quote-unquote zoom conversations where i've just chroma keyed a puppet in his place and then we have like all the time where it goes back into his like life in italy and like crunching on the game it's just a puppet in various places that we filmed that's like that's like two years of the beast cast for uh for me i was you know i was just alex with a puppet of me puppet. <laughs> yeah yeah if i you thought look. you were making a dan Riker chair up there <laughs> i wasn't sure <laughs> uh that's cool i mean that's that's cool that you were able to get him at least to kind of commentate yeah it was fun and he was okay with being a puppet we did check with him before. okay good it was okay. like this won't be okay but how, and he was like how no, funny would it have been to just just not tell him that you did <laughs> that yeah uh, yeah, I, I was curious, Dini, uh, since you mentioned seven years, do you feel like now, and not to just turn this into an interview right, right off the gate here, but do you feel like people, developers kind of know what Noclip is about now if you approach them versus having to pitch yourself? Yeah, and that that, that creates problems because, like, you know, uh, we're coming up on seven years. In my head, there's a two eras of Noclip. There's the first three and a half years where we had the jump on everyone, and we ended up producing a lot of work that I think was surprising, and we got a lot of access. Like, our Final Fantasy XIV doc was definitely one that stands out. Um, we did a bunch of long series, things like that. And then once COVID hit, we were in a bit of trouble because the whole point, I think the reason a lot of it worked is that we turned up and we spent time with these people and we understood the culture of the studio. We did a lot of extracurricular stuff around visits as well to like help develop a broader sense of what was going on. Um, and also we just turned up like when you when you fly across the world and you know are in their place and eating their food, mm-hmm. there's just they're they're more open. And then what happened was it was the double whammy of doing these less personal, you know, uh, remote interviews, and then also studios kind of having solidified what a noclip documentary is. So we did a lot of squirming for the past three years, trying to like develop new. Like the Hades series was kind of a, a you know, a, an extension of that, trying to like get a little bit deeper, spend more time. Um, we did a lot of different types of videos for the past three and a half years to try and. Uh, create different types of stories, but it has been definitely um, something that we've had to like work towards and and, and figure out. You know, it's, in one way, it's good because you've got you know we've no shortage of people who want to talk to us. But mm-hmm. then on the other side, why do they want to talk to us? Because you know 
they want to get a nice little PR bump out of it. So it's it's tricky. It's trying to find that line. You know, we do we for every documentary we do on a game like The Last of Us, for instance, we did a documentary on Choo Choo Charles, mm-hmm. um, or we're doing one on Dwarf Fortress at the moment. We're doing one on the Burger King games. What? You know, so we're, we're yeah, so we're trying to like do. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Back, 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 back it up here. Back it up here. <laughs> Who did you get to talk to you about the Burger King games? If did you, you can reveal game? that. We did not get the king. We got okay. the king of the studio. We got so in a what happened was I started tweeting about this and then somebody said, "You know the Oliver twins ran the studio that made that game." And I was so this like set up this is like a Amiga ass European mm-hmm. not thing. So the the Oliver twins were like these super smart like Atari Amiga coders, Commodore uh, coders in the late 80s 90s who made you remember Dizzy? Do you guys know Dizzy? That sounds the, like egg. Like, it was like an egg. That oh, okay. That sounds familiar. Real big in the UK. Is this some yeah. like power I mean, droid stuff? Like uh, like Zool. Okay. The UK you know, like, can't get enough of their fucking eggs. Yeah. James Pond. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, look. So James Pond. Aren't you, yes. aren't you from Petaluma? <laughs> yes, I am. I know. <laughs> look, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing stones at glass houses here, okay? <laughs> uh, so it ended up being their studio. So they have like a crazy weird lineage within the UK. I didn't know it was made there. Um uh, and yeah, we found a bunch of weird information, especially one of the games uses an engine from a very popular game. I won't spoil it here, but we found out that one of the games was basically like shadow developed um, by another studio, kind of. Uh, and it uses an engine, which I think people will find very interested, interesting. Uh, okay. But we're all, as part of that, we're also uh, interviewing the guy who has collected 4,000 copies of it. Oh, no. Who lives in somewhere in SoCal, somewhere in LA, oh, wow. I think. Um, That's... So our intrepid uh, reporter frank howley is heading down to to see that he's going to interview him in a burger king i think <laughs> bless so whoever has copies. to inherit that someday <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. yeah he's buried next his, to the funko pops his retirement sneak kings uh-huh do you ever find um you know while you're doing these things somebody says something they shouldn't and you're like that you said this on camera and now you're putting in an awkward position where you have a thing that is kind of interesting but shouldn't have been said we have so the way we we go in like full transparency with everyone beforehand, which is why there's been plenty of people who've approached us and it just it's Didn't not going to work because okay. you you you're 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 being you can't like basically like we'll give them full we we give them no right to reply on the edit we will show it to them ahead of time if okay. they want to craft their own PR thing around <laughs> so it. If but, they want to get like, out ahead of something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And also it kind of helps for fact checking, honestly, because there is some stuff that we kind of didn't get exactly right. And they're like, actually this. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that actually helps. That's not okay. you changing the story. That's we fucked up. Um, uh, the only thing we give them any clearance on is all the B-roll we filmed at, at the studios. So okay. we, and that's, that's production wise to help us just film while we're there and not have people looking at Jeremy's, sure. you know, yes. f- viewfinder and saying like, Oh, right. can you not have that in there? We're just like that. We'll send you everything at the end. And if there's anything you don't want, it's usually dev kits and security guards, security <laughs> guards are terrified of being kidnapped at home and oh having gosh. places unlocked. So they don't want to be on camera. Um, the only it's happened once we had one interview where wait the kidnapping we... or something else <laughs> <laughs> no that's that, okay. well, who knows but um uh how do you think we got these tapes oh. um uh, no we had one instance where somebody had said something and in the edit uh we sent them to them ahead of time and they were like red flag red flag red flag <laughs> if this goes out this person will be fired oh <gasps> 
Oh, they, I think they, that, they they use that again. That's that's messed up, man. That is the nuclear option. Yeah, not by Ooh. them. Yeah, but necessarily by somebody else if they see it. Yeah, by the executives. They were like, if that, if that, and the thing that was mentioned was had nothing to do with the game. Mm. It was to do with things they were doing in the studio. Like it was basically like they were drinking after hours in the studio. Oh, it was, okay. Was the, it okay. wasn't that big a deal. Sure. But it was within the context of this story, it, I, it definitely could have been. But I, I resisted because I wanted to make sure that they were really fighting this. Sometimes it's like the blue boat thing. Sometimes they'll come back with a bit of feedback and it's it's something that you put in so that that would be the yes, thing yes, that yes. they would give feedback on. That's right. Um, yes. The blue boat. I don't they, know the blue boat term, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. So I would. So I was like kind of, you know, going back and forth on them. It, I ended up going to the point where I had a... Um, it was actually an in-person meeting because it just so happened that we were all at E3s around that time. An in-person meeting with the with the like studio creative director about it, um, and then saying basically, yes, this if this was in there, there's a high chance that this person's going to lose a job. And I was like, I don't want anyone to lose a job. Yeah, the line wasn't that big a deal. It doesn't actually touch. Right. has nothing to do with development. We'll take it out. But that's the only time it's ever happened. Interesting. And that was okay. a long time ago. Do you get yeah. um this? This is probably a little bit more um. Do you get stuff when the like off camera stuff that you're like, mm, right, this isn't going to go on camera, but that's really interesting. Uh, oh yeah, all the time, and it, it it is especially when we went in person because you could really like talk to people you weren't interviewing or talk to interviewees after the fact, and usually like that is really really helpful because we do a lot of like like documentary editing a documentary is like telling a truth you're not mm-hmm. getting the, the truth you're deciding to tell a side of a story and right. if you can knowing information about it even if you don't have them saying it on camera you can you can mold the story to give the impression of what they said you know what i mean yes. mm-hmm. like if they're talking about how hard crunch was or you know they say that this feature was taken out last minute or this uh this department was working really hard and then a bunch of stuff got cut um you can you can intimate that or you can just say it in the voiceover like a lot of times that'll happen as well and we we also interview people who were like used to work at studios off the record and you know that type of thing um so yeah that helps a lot it's just none of that you know, you you don't get to cash that stuff in, yeah, which yeah. sucks mm-hmm. sometimes. But I'd rather know it than not know it. So, of course, you know it's it's worthwhile. Do you? I'm I'm just thinking in terms of you know what position you and your team might be in. Do you ever get stuff where somebody is like, "Look, I know you're doing this story about this game. I have to tell you how much this fucking person sucks in this. I know it's not the story you're telling, but I need to tell you this person's a monster." And, yes. um, you know, you're doing this thing about, you know, this, this game anyway, is it rolling now? I love working here. This is the, the, <laughs> the best job I've ever had. I wouldn't say they do it that way, but we, if we talk about a documentary ahead of time before production, which we don't often, um, sometimes you will get people saying something or maybe after a documentary came out, somebody will get in contact. We've had like, I had, there's a couple of documentaries where people have, um, wanted to chat with me afterwards about it to tell Mm -hmm. their side of something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that, I would say it's never happened where they've said it and I've been like, oh, damn, like (laughs) I wish we got in there. Sometimes the people who reach out like that, just they want to get something off their chest. And maybe it was like a bad relationship or bad working relationship or, 
you know, they felt like they were left behind before the game was mm. successful or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, so it's like, again, it's like what they're saying isn't untrue. It's their truth. But does it, is it relevant to the stories we tell? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Like, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's tricky. And then the one thing we definitely have is a, a list of studios we won't cover because <laughs> of certain people. Um, one of those was uh, Phenomena. So, uh, like, you know, we talk to developers and we we don't know everything, but we know when there are places that have either cult of personality uh, leadership who aren't all they say they are or work practices that are particularly insidious. Like, we've never done any Activision documentaries. Um, we've never... We did we did one EA one, which was a retrospective on Command and Conquer. Um, but that was mostly about Petroglyph. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, so... And I'm not saying we never will, but it's like a... That's a conversation. Like, I go back to the Rolodex and I'm like, you know, I, I would have loved to have done documentaries on some of Phenomena's games. And I know people who worked at that studio uh, who did amazing work, but I also know that leadership there was toxic and it eventually came out and... You know, I'm glad that we didn't get caught in the crossfire, I guess. Right. But mostly, I also just didn't want to add to the cult of personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, you didn't want to end up in a situation where the work you were doing sort of became a de facto endorsement of what that studio was doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's tricky, right? Because you can't, we don't have a crystal ball. Right. Right. But, but, you know, but like that's the watermark that people are going to, you know, are going to judge us by. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And we have to do our due diligence. So... You know, I think we're lucky. Like, if you go back and look at the seven years, I don't think there's many, any, yeah, like, I mean, our Fallout 76 doc was basically the one that got the most criticism, um, and I think it's justified, and we sort of covered it like a preview, but nothing we did before that was like that, mm. um, and the Haiti series was a reaction to that, where it was like, well, there is a way to cover games before they're out, but obviously it's not the way we did 76. Obviously it's it's a different way, and... Um, when Greg approached us about doing something on this game, it was like, "Oh, can we like embed with you and do it like as a, as a series?" And you know, and we'll ha- we won't. Uh, there'll be no voiceover in it, so it's not our voice. We'll have you talk, look directly into the camera. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly you talking to them. We're we're not here. Um, we're crafting the story, but like, it, that's what the connection is. Um, and yeah, we won't talk about what's going to be in the game. We only talked in that series about what they were working on at that moment or stuff that they had put in. So it was never like, this is going to be, you know what I mean? So you couldn't mm-hmm. have that like sort of expectation issue. Yeah, like um, a, um, like a, uh, I'm trying to think here, like a, like a heaving the Hades or like a, uh, uh, like a, uh, um, build, build, building the, building the, <laughs> build, yeah. Build, what I'm saying uh-huh. is, is that my entire career is based off of ripping off your guys' work. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes no, the no, form, no. Look, look, look. or sometimes you, the literal materials. No, no, Danny, you've, hey. got, you've got it backwards. It's it's <laughs> us being like, hey, how about if you guys just filmed yourself, <laughs> and then we just pub- and we, we just, just pub- hosted it, and we just published it over here because filming you and doing that that's a lot of work. That's and a lot like, of work. I don't know any people, and we don't. Yeah. Uh, so listen, I know how much work you guys put into all that stuff, and it is it is inspiring and terrifying. To, well, to, you actually, to, right. you, know. you just you reminded me of something. I was actually kind of curious when you look at something like what Double Fine did with oh their Psychonauts gosh. documentary. 
Because that's such a wild one, because, you know, you think of like a, a, a developer or a publisher doing their own kind of state run documentary. You expect like, OK, this is just a PR hit. <laughs> but they like in both cases where they have done their own documentaries, there is like a weird amount of like incredibly self-critical scathing stuff in there that you do not expect that from the studio one. to pro- produce for itself. Yeah, like that first one, you see them like going wildly off schedule and over budget, like struggling to bring revenue in to keep the thing afloat, you know, like they don't sweep that stuff under the rug at all. Yeah. So like when you look at stuff like that, like, do you, I mean, I don't know, like what, like what is your impression of like a studio doing that for themselves? I I think like on a, on a creative level, that series wanted to make me cry for two reasons. One was we will never make anything as, as in depth and good as this. And two, I'm just so glad this exists. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's a miracle it exists. It's like 39 episodes or something. It's I I watched it all in like you know a 10 day period. I we had the 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 guys on the podcast um talk about it afterwards because it's like there's not many people we get to talk about this. Yeah, shit yeah, yeah. Um, I li- I like when studios do this stuff. Like one of the things that people used to like, you know, after we started, uh, there was a pocket there where. GameSpot and IGN had sort of spun up documentary stuff. Um, and there was a couple of other YouTube channels like Gameumentary and stuff like that who were doing this type of thing. And like, not that we own the fucking, like, talking no. to video game developers. Like, no. we we don't want to. But people were like, oh, are you, you know, what do you think about people doing this? Or like studios doing it themselves. And I was like, fucking good. We can't do everything. Like, mm, right. we, we can't talk to everyone. Like, the more studios can... Sure, a lot of them will do them and they'll just be puffy um, PR exercises, mm-hmm. right? And to a certain extent, they'll always be PR exercises if they do it or if we do it. Um, but like the more people doing it, the better. I think the double fine, the watermark that they have set with that is um, impossible, I think, f- to reach or very, very difficult to reach. Uh, but I think hopefully it's inspiring other studios. And like there have been other docs like the For Honor documentary that came out a couple of years back. Um there's a there's another one. There's a couple of others that have popped up recently. I feel like I've watched. It's not coming to mind, but I think it's fantastic. I hope they keep like those guys at Double Fine and Two Player Productions are just mm. like we talked to them about like how many people they had mic'd up at any one time in those big meetings, and it was like they figured out a solution where they could mic up like sixteen people with these tiny little microphones that all speak to an app. Oh um, wow! And it's all just—it's yeah. all separated into tracks on the app. Yeah, and oh, you can. Oh my gosh! It's 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 what and they. What a nightmare! They, <laughs> I know. It's. I, could you imagine? Could you imagine no. the timelines? Like twenty audio Syncing input all timelines. that stuff up afterward, and like trying to like. I mean, that just sounds like a nightmare. Like the discipline of it, and then thank God they had the uh, car planche to film what they wanted. Because even in in Psych Odyssey, they did have like. The central sort of conflict between Tim and I forget the gentleman's name, but the 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 sort of uh, office, uh, the creative manager guy, whatever he was, sort of the left brain to Tim's right brain, or vice versa. Um, you know, there's a there's a conflict there, which I won't spoil it, but it gets resolved in a in a sort of t- tough manner. And I'm not sure everyone comes out of that looking great. Mm. Like, yeah. it's crazy that they could show all that, you know. Uh, and and also it's funny like when that series starts, Brad is there. And Brad, you know, <laughs> you're like, Jesus, this is like. <laughs> You know, I don't, Brad Muir hasn't worked there in uh, 10 years or something. I, I mean, was like, wow, Artifacts this came goes- out in the time, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. since that, like, he left. So it was like, he, that whole whole ass game came out of him at some point. It's wild. 
Uh, I have two more questions, Danny, at least right now, if, uh, if you don't mind, because uh, now I find myself super curious and you're such a great person to talk to about this stuff. <laughs> One is a personal question for you. Okay. Do you, do you ever look, because this is what I think about when I look at Noclip and, and, and how kind of great uh, a job you and the team have done. Do you ever look back at your time at GameSpot where there was zero appetite for things like The Point and, you know, like these kind of deeper <laughs> dive shows and they're basically like, no, this isn't just, this is, there's no appetite for this. It's just not going to work. And be like, do you feel the double middle fingers want to come out and be like, or do you feel like maybe it was just the wrong platform for those things? I don't know. It's funny because the, weirdly enough, The Point was the one show that did justify its, the ROI on that was pretty good. Um, and my live streaming stuff was the lobby never really got the numbers it needed. It was more of a flagshipy thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hands involved, a lot of people involved. My when I left Gamespot, my ultimatum was let me run the video team, like let me be the creative director of all the video, like also pay me X amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was very much a like I want to go do this thing for creative reasons and to a certain extent maybe i was always a freelancer my uh, GameSpot was the only longest job i ever held down you know i i worked as a freelancer and had other jobs i did in between and stuff but so i was kind of always more inclined to be on go my own way anyway but i don't i don't have up periods about that i have up years about the <laughs> management team that was there that mm-hmm. quite frankly like i got in my fucking way like that was how i felt about it was like there's a bunch of people up there who don't know what the fuck they're doing and who are like intimidated probably by the fact that i have strong opinions and i have shows that traffic and like even the next big game stuff we did with Giancarlo, like g was the one who helped me and andy me and Andy Bauman, who sort of we we siloed ourselves creatively because we could feel the tendrils of the of certain people in our in our video leadership, like just getting in the way. So we kind of went off to the side and did our own little projects, um, and we try and pull people in so they could like be part of them and stuff like that. Uh, but then when Giancarlo presented us with like this idea for the next big game, which was we're going to do developer interviews. Um, as part of this sort of, you know, front page promos type stuff that they were doing. And I had full creative liberties with what I wanted to do. We did one on Titanfall. Um, we did one on, uh, oh, um, Overwatch mm-hmm. um, and something else. I forget. And that was great. Giancarlo's, you know, amazing. And it makes sense now that he ended up, what well, he's a, I think he's a PlayStation now, but he went to Ubisoft and, you know, Andy went and Chris went and they did great work over there. Um so I have nothing better about that, but like, yeah, the, my dream was always to like do great things at GameSpot. And when I went to GameSpot America, there was definitely some people in the room who were in the way of not just for me, for everyone. Like I wanted what I had seen on screen, I mm-hmm, guess, mm-hmm. which also may not have been like the reality of what it was like for all you guys. You know, the version that I saw yeah. on, on the spot every week of everyone getting you know working great and collaborate i don't know if that was what it was like there maybe it was the same i think there was a certain amount of that there was definitely some people that were also in the way of expanding or making those things better it's a big machine right it's a machine that wants to churn a profit and for every you know two one person that's on camera there's probably three people that are worried about it looking over a spreadsheet being like why are we spending this much how do we sell ads on this yeah yeah exactly right so you know i'm i'm sure you know, there were all different pushes, people cycled, and, you know, I'm just speaking from my experience, if you if you have anything to jump in, but my experience is, you know, 
every time a, a somebody would cycle through every three years a business person they had a new initiative that's like now we're going all in on short form youtube and it's like mm-hmm. oh, okay great I, we were doing something different but like nope short form youtube nothing more than three minutes let's go and then like you oh know three God. years later you know somebody would cycle through and be like long form streaming that's the ticket and you know like you know <laughs> you know three years later they're like we can do this with one person you know and you know the, the, every time you just cycle through and you're like and, you know, you had people there for a long time that saw that wheel turn enough times. You'd be like, okay, new Jack, do your thing. We're, we'll just mm-hmm. put our heads down and suffer through until you get bounced in three years and go off and start a <laughs> wine bar somewhere or whatever, you know, right. try not to do too much damage on your way out. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, you know, those, it was a big place. And also I feel like you were there right as the entire industry was shifting in terms of coverage. Right. You know, the ground yeah. was really moving under everyone's feet. YouTube stuff and and what you guys, of course, were doing over Giant Bomb as well. And yeah, but I've I've nothing but like good memories about being there. Like the the UK team was terrific. I got to work with some really great people on the US team. Like like the vast majority of people who I got to like work with on a day to day. If anything, any regret I have is that I was I was too like I kind of always am. I'm I'm too work focused and and like I, I often I kind of feel like I wish I spent a bit more time socializing with some of those people than than maybe I did um because I I really got along with a lot of those folks and I but it's just my nature I'm I'm an anxious person and I'm always working and like a I'm always trying to make I'm always worried that the you know I'm going to turn the corner and there's going to be someone there that goes all right that's it you've you've mm-hmm. had enough fun doing this go Go get another real job again. Oh, you, you, know? you carry around that weird guilt that you shouldn't be here also. That, <laughs> right. that, that so you did will get be... the GameSpot experience. <laughs> so, so that somebody will uh, basically pull the rug out from underneath you and be like, and realize just what a fake and phony you are. And just You're right. Yeah. 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 No, you fit perfectly. You fit right. <laughs> yeah. No, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, well, I have to say, I, I think, you know, looking back and seeing that whole development, uh, I think it's worked out. I think it's worked out well. Yeah, and I think thanks. the industry like is be- better for having no clip out there doing what it's doing. Um, we're we're trying. Thank yeah. you. You're too kind. I I I like. I can't underestimate just how inspirational all you guys were, and not just to me. I mean, there's there's whole generations of people like who who are just like you know wh- whatever era of your guys's work um, is it continues to be that way. I do remember at the giant bomb E3 which would have been 10 7 years ago now so 2016 presumably um you pulled me aside and was like so what are you what are you doing what are I you did thinking yeah yeah uh, yeah and i told you about it yeah. and you were fucking terrified for me yeah. you were like wait you well, what if nobody signs yeah. up what if I? and i was like thanks thanks man yeah like, that's <laughs> well, I, well I, I, I remember I, I remember talking to you and saying if you're going to do it do it now Right, like uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like look at the time you didn't have uh, kids and stuff, and it's like your responsibilities were were you know they were different. I remember t- I remember yeah. that conversation. I remember ending. With, look, if you're gonna do it, take the risk now before you wind up with <laughs> saddled with a bunch of responsibility. Right, and it, I'm sure you know sure. how that feels once you are like, oh boy, uh, you know it. You know it's a big risk, and you were you were kind of out there ahead of a lot of people, uh, kind of going out and doing it. And if it makes you feel any better, we spent weeks gassing each other up with that exact same dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, God, what if no one signs up? What the fuck? What are we doing? Oh, God. And so don't worry. We stressed ourselves out, too. Oh, yeah. And that's my right. my nature is definitely a it, it's going to fail 
the probability is it's going to fail. Uh, that's my, that's my, hey, listen, maybe that's what has propelled me through production. Count on it right. failing. So what are you going to do as a backup? Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, this wire is going to break. What are you, what are you going to do as a backup? <laughs> this recording is not going to go through. Do you have at least two backups, right? Vinny, so, six right, backups, Caravella. Yeah. Uh, my, my, <laughs> He's a belt and suspenders kind of guy. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And, and duct tape. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I guess my, my final question here, unless Brad or Alex, you have anything before we kind of jump into the rest of this is, uh, having now been talking to humans who make games, you know, of, oh, yeah. of all types, uh, just kind of briefly, what would people who are listening that play the games, what have you kind of come away with that you think is a misconception or you'd like to kind of express to the people who generally consume the product uh, from the people who uh, spend their lives making it? I, I think it's a lot of stuff that like, I hope now kind of people do understand that like, you know, everyone who's working on a game, most people, it depends. Some studios, it is a bit more like a job. You know, the larger studios, if you're like a smaller cog in in that machine, you know, maybe you clock in and clock out. But like for the most part, the folks who are working on those games, they know the problems with them. The, the they They are very aware of what's good and bad and they are trying really, really, really hard. Like it's not a job. It's it, there are for engineers. There is work that pays just as well or better that is easier. Uh, for artists, it's the same thing. You know, people work in games because they really like games, and I think you know that's the one thing where if you're if a game failed or it didn't you know meet your expectations, chances are it had something to do with the complexities of running large teams, budget, or they were trying an idea that just didn't work and then they couldn't steer the ship back. Mm. But it wasn't because they were trying to steal your money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the dynamic that's we, going we, on. The people making the game don't get royalties. Right. We, we, we talked about the most part. I was on the PC World podcast a couple weeks ago. We talked about that exact same thing, kind of like misconceptions in the audience and stuff out there. And then, like, the lazy developers thing, like, always grates yeah. on me so much because, like, what do you think is going on there? Like, nobody gets into game development to be lazy. <laughs> like it's it's an oxymoron right like it's like shipping a game feels like the most desperate seat of your pants act right imaginable you know it's like they know what's wrong with their games like they're not they're not trying to hoodwink you like the, the yeah, actual it's just ter- hard the thing the actual terminology people should be applying is not lazy devs but disinterested executives like that's what yeah. it comes down to with a lot of this stuff it's usually is yes the developers know what's wrong with this game are the executives interested enough in fixing this or do they just want it out and just to move on to the next thing? Do you feel like Danny, is there a kind of uh, between the publisher developer or whatever, how the, uh, the contracts are written up? Is there a push pull constantly between money and time? There is. And what's interesting is we're, so we're developing our own game at the moment. Um, stunt Derby with oh, Alex Austin who we, made, we know. you know, Gish. Oh yeah. Sorry. Of course you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. We yeah. dipped our toes in. Yeah. Thank you. It's rough, but, uh, we, we needed to get that demo out to basically, um, sort of stress test some, some feedback stuff. So th- thank you. The next time it's playable, it'll be a bit more. Mm, okay. It'll be, it'll make more sense as to what you're supposed to do, especially in the team mode. Um, but yeah, I, we basically started this as a Trojan horse so I could be in the room for those types of things. And I am literally like, I am, I have been talking to publishers for the past two months. I am the, my pitch deck is on this other screen over there. I've been doing it. I've been budgeting and doing the whole thing. And like, uh, yes, like it depends on the, situation because obviously like if you're a, an indie team and you have a, a publisher you know then that's a different relationship than if you're you know a larger self-funded thing 
I would say the two biggest things that I've learned recently is um, number one, venture capitalist money is changing the way games are funded dramatically at the moment. For better There's, or worse. Or I think different. what's happening is that uh, different. I think what's happening is VC funds in games. Uh, so you're talking about like Galaxy, A16Z. They are, in my head, trying to topple the big publishers. They are trying, they're at the moment betting on a lot of stuff, um, trying to understand exactly the sort of risk rewards of games that it's more like, you know, something akin to Hollywood than, say, software development. Um, and they're they're placing a lot of bets at the moment. And there's a lot of money in V. Like, there's, you know, there's a bunch of, like, uh, I think one of the first games you'll see that comes from that is Immortals of Avium. That, it's actually based down in San Rafael, not cl- far from here. That's a, uh, I believe, from VC money as well. Um, so I think that is one thing that is, you know, we're going to probably have a very different relationship to that. And in a way, it's good and bad because a venture capitalist can't, like... Um, you know they can they can fire you from your own project right because they like own the the it's not like you know they can't like hold your ip away from you or whatever but they can kick you off of it um and then the other thing that i've realized is just how bad publisher deals can be hmm. um we have been spared from that mostly because they know that i'm a public figure and we're covering this and no one's going to try that shit but like i have heard stories now that i'm in this space about you know the Oh, we'll give you like your, you know, $500,000 for this, but you're not going to see a cent until we get like 2.5x recoup on this. Okay. So until we get our money back two and a half times over, you're not going to see a dime. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, and we own the IP. You can't, you know, (laughs) so, and like, and it still happens, Mm. you know, because, because teams are, Right, have no access to no, that capital and and no leverage in that conversation. None at all. Right, and we had leverage, and we had a small team, and that was the whole point. Was like, it's basically Alex. I don't need to get paid from this string development. You know, as long as everything's budgeted and costed, um, we have a small team. We have a small burn rate. You know, if the if the project go, runs over by two months, it's not going to cost two million because sure. we employ a hundred people. It's going to cost you know whatever ten grand because we employ one or whatever. <laughs> so I think. Uh, that sort of protected us from it, but yeah, like we're we're there. Will I'm working on a video all about the publisher side of things to try and express some of that. But it's definitely been it's definitely the nastier side. The business side of games dev is definitely a lot more cutthroat than any other part I've I've seen. Are are those, are those sorts of predatory deals like kind of purely the domain of like the big corporate publishers, or is that something you kind of could see anywhere in this era of like smaller yeah. boutique, like kind of fan favorite? labels yeah and that stuff changes too because like some of those boutique labels you know may have been more boutique in the past you know some of them are it depends if something's public or private that makes a big difference um also you'll often find situations where publishers either small developers who are publishing themselves or mid-range to smaller publishers um who aren't maybe have a name associated with them but don't have that much capital behind them they might actually have done a round of funding themselves and are on the hook to an investor um either a group or an individual party and that can have a sort of you know downwind downstream effect on those deals where because they're on the hook they're having to give a certain cost to their investor then the cost that you're getting is actually lower as a result. Uh, but it, it's really hard to tell, Brad. It, the way I sort of like, the way I've been thinking about it in my head is it's like online dating, 
where like everyone kind of you know you're sussing each other out you're doing a lot of calls like how's the project going blah 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 blah. and like are we still are they replying are they are we still doing it and then usually you know date four date five a yellow flag comes up Mm. that that never came up before and you have to decide whether or not that's a deal breaker or not um and some of them are yeah they're really pally up until the the money stuff comes out and you're like that's what you were gonna offer us like shit no see, see you next time you know what i mean um did you hire it's, a lawyer? it's really hard to tell do you uh do you have a counsel and not yet we will once the the contracts are i have no clips lawyers so mm. we might use them but, oh, i like attorney yeah, i feel like attorney attorney, attorney, attorney okay, has a certain good. like yeah. slightly threatening vibe to it it's like sure. oh, you, you can talk to my attorney about this that. is my Repres- legal representative yeah representation <laughs> yeah that's right uh, th- there's also plenty of uh, stories i've heard even recently of stuff being agreed you know, in person one way and then the contract having something hidden in there, you know, that actually completely God, contradicts that. That's just yeah, filthy. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta have business stuff, man. People are, people are assholes. People are <laughs> nightmare, man. <laughs> the business of games. There's your next, yeah. um, the next podcast. What uh, a business it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Danny, I think we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to actually do the playing of games. Uh, we've talked to the, the business of games. Come back and talk a little bit about what you've been up to playing games and uh, um, what we've been up to. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything. To find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some. Uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back, and it's time to talk about some of the games we've been up to. Let's start with you, Danny. Anything you want to mention that you've been playing recently? Sure. I mean, I, Dave the Diver is the game that sort of controlled most of my summer at this stage. Um, but weirdly, I, I decided to get through Disco Elysium because it had been on my shame list of games that like I really should have played this or, or Still given online. it a go. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, if you're similar, Alex, but like I had a real 
trouble with like games with a lot of text as a kid i'm not like mm-hmm. a great reader i don't have you know takes me a couple of sentence reading a sentence a couple of times like yes, if i'm reading I a novel yeah so i i and i think what's happened is the advent of voice acting has like taken the edge off of that mm. um so disco elysium's final cut is fully voiced and then i had a blast playing that and then just i guess it sort of opened the door a little bit and i decided to go back and play some CRPGs that I hadn't done. So over the weekend, I was playing uh, Planescape Torment. It's amazing. Okay. Which I'd never touched before. And then also uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, which sure. is absolutely terrific. And they couldn't be more different to each other, but it's it's cool. I feel like I've stumbled. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know when you're getting old and like, so, or you're, you know, you, you start putting on like dad pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's certain things that you do that like uh, realize you're, you've like, you're a different person. I feel like I've like, I've instead of being like Tim the Toolman Taylor or something as an old guy, I'm going back and playing CRPGs. Uh, yeah, my version of that was getting really into turn-based tactics and strategy games later in life. Things you know, like biases I had had when I was younger, and saying, "Oh, I'll never love that kind of thing. That's too boring, whatever." And suddenly <laughs> realizing, "Oh no, this is actually who I am." Like every, everything you're describing is just the video game version of a train model train set. Yep, <laughs> basically, hundred <laughs> percent. Here's the thing I'm going to tinker with for the rest of my life. So when you played uh, Torment, there's there was that remake, wasn't there? Or a, yeah, that's what it is. Is that, is that what you're playing or something? Okay. Yeah, it's got some. Uh, I think it's mostly a quality of life rapper thing, like resolution and. Okay. I think the voice acting was always there. There's, I it's believe not it fully was. voiced, I'm, but like there's parts. I feel like I can hear like Mort in my right. head. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's Planescape is a fantastic game, uh, and one of the great mysteries of life, aside from the story of Torment, which is also good was realizing that I think it was Greg Kasavin's avatar was the cover of that box yeah. art of that game, yes. which I didn't know for years. I was like, what is this weird <laughs> makeup, you know, uh, blue face. Yeah, guy, exactly. Yeah. And, I, uh, I mean, like when I got to GameSpot, I mean, I first physically got to GameSpot in 2000 and then came back in 2003, you know, they still had the PC and console split and I had no exposure to CRPGs anyway. And when I got there, the way people talked about Planescape Torment built this like insane mystique around. I was like, man, that must be the best game ever made <laughs> ever for anything. The way people talk about this thing. It's what it's such a weird, it's such a weird game. It's, it's like the look of it as well. It's very like, uh, do you guys play Scorn when that came out? <laughs> oh, I did. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's got, it's, it's very fleshy and like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a, I, it takes place in like a Dungeons and Dragons Outworlds type place, mm-hmm. I guess Planescape is. I'd, I I also worry, I also watched that Dungeons and Dragons movie, which is way Great. more fun than I thought it was going to it's be. It's a fun movie, yeah, yeah. And and uh, this is how much of a dumbass I am. They mentioned like Baldur's Gate uh-huh. and I think Icewind, Icewind Dale. Dale was mentioned mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, 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 wait. These are all <laughs> D&D, th- I had no idea that these oh, were Oh, that's like, amazing. Yeah, so yeah. It like I was like, oh, maybe those, but like I, but, you know, I still haven't gone back and played. I've never played Diablo two. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, there's a whole genre of games that I thought were either too fantasy <laughs> when I was a teenager. You know, pre Oblivion, Danny. Oblivion did mm-hmm. a lot to like get me to play a game with dwarfs and it elves you. in it. It's exactly. Um. So there was those games, but like, yeah, I, I've 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 really been enjoying it. It's like. Disco Elysium was just so well written and there's like there's basically no combat in that game it's all just dialogue and I had so much fun with it that it's like sort of yeah it's been it's like my gateway drug I guess to this this world it, w- would you recommend any ones to me I guess Planescape is you seem to like Planescape's that, amazing 
Arcanum. I don't know if you've heard of that. Is that's the Troika game? Yeah, right? it yeah. was like kind of broken when it came out. I don't know <laughs> if it's in, in a workable state at this point, but I have fond memories of Arcanum. Um, uh, Baldur's Gate Two. I think uh, Icewind Dale Two. I think Icewind Dale actually the first one is very hard to find a because uh, they they lost that code for that one. I think. Oh, hey, look, yeah, the looking, source code was. If lost I can only find somebody game. to do a documentary on it, but I feel I feel like Icewind Dale the first one they can't find the code, but two they have um uh, out in a in a fairly playable state. Uh, some of those are tough to go back to without quality of life stuff. Uh, a little tough. All of those. Uh, early Bioware ones, I think, are fairly. They, they, I believe they probably hold up <laughs> okay. That's uh, wild. I, I haven't that's touched the, them in a while. That's probably a good angle for documentary. Actually, is like talking to some people about lack of preservation of assets mm. or stuff like that. Like yeah. I, I talked to a developer, a very old school developer, like at a barbecue a couple years ago, was telling me about hiding the printed source code for at least one or multiple of their games in the drop ceiling of the office park they were making. Dear Lord. Oh my <laughs> they God. went back, like they were moving out of that office and they were just like, we got to put this code somewhere and put it in the ceiling and like went back later and it was still up Oh there. my gosh. Oh, it's just like covered in all sorts of filth. <laughs> <laughs> but but still there. You should talk to Cefaldi about some of that as well. He's Frank Cefaldi, the Video Game History Foundation is just like full of these horror stories and and you know because they mostly do like magazines and stuff like that but i think at the moment he's they're doing their own tape project they're preserving a bunch of tapes from cyan mm. uh so like all the like mist like like a lot of the recordings of the yeah. like actors and stuff on the green screen but yeah it's yeah there's a lot of it's well it was that there was a thing they put out a figure somebody did like 84 percent of games are not um commercially yeah. available yeah. at the moment or <laughs> Um, which makes sense, I guess, to a certain yeah. extent, but it just shows you, like, yeah, how much stuff goes missing. Like, we try as much as possible here when we are doing docs on games to go back and get stuff, but like, it's it's hard, and a lot of it is the legal thing because like people aren't sure who owns it yeah. and when, mm-hmm. and then suddenly ten years later that computer right. was thrown away, and that's it. Rights have changed hands at least a half dozen times at that point. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Uh, I mean, we'll look, get it. look, it's I, America. You can't make things available without somebody getting paid. That's, <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. Information costs money. We'll get more into that, I think, when we talk about uh, your your dive into trying to resurrect some history oh, yeah. uh, in, in the tapes. Uh, but I'm I'm happy for your CRPG journey. I feel like you've got a. There are plenty out there. Neverwinter Nights also a fantastic uh, series that I think they also were able to bump up. Did you guys do Divinity? Any yeah, guys? I was going to mention like I'm not a CRPG guy at all, but I played Original Sin, the first one. When did that come out? Six, seven, eight, seven years ago? Anyway, I, I found it very approachable as somebody who mm-hmm. had not spent a lot of time with the genre. Like, that's definitely a good one. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, you got Baldur's Gate 3 coming out soon, so... Uh, Kevin um, Van Ord's Baldur's Gate 3. That's right, mm-hmm. that's right. Uh, in the very near, weeks away at this point, so um, uh, clear your plate, I guess. Gotta fuck that bear. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I like it large. What it was... Uh, <laughs> I forget what the line was, but it was very good. I was... That was a fun stream. <laughs> uh, also, man, they really just love putting on armor and uh, uh, dressing up for those, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I, uh, I'll i just quickly mention here, uh, Switch Gears, I finished up Diablo 4. Uh, you did? No, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Dia- Diablo CRPG, Action RPG, ARPG. Action, yeah? action RPG. Yeah, Action RPG. Um, finished up Diablo 4. 
the question I kept going through my mind as, uh, you know, I'm sure we all do when we play games is like, well, what am I going to say about this when I talk about it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause you can't just sit and enjoy something. You're like, well, what, no, what, absolutely am, I not. Gonna, what am I going to say when I, when I talk Under about no this? circumstances are you allowed to just enjoy something? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm half kidding, but, um, was, <laughs> uh, was the time investment worth it was the thing that kept running through my head. And because I, I had kind of uh, petered out a bit on the loop of Diablo 4 uh, fairly early on to the point where I was running all these dungeons and just not getting good loot. And I feel like if you're not getting good loot or feel like you're not getting good, a good reward in Diablo, you've lost 90% of the thread, right? You've, you've, you, you know, what are you even doing at that point if you're, you're right. spending hours before you have re-equipped something? Uh, and that, that felt like the case for me. And I, I wound up hitting the, what is essentially the level cap at 50, uh, until you can move the world tier up, but you still get, you still get points, get these things called Paragon points, which you can, um, do permanent stat upgrades to your character, like strength and willpower and magic. There was a great cutscene near the end that Mm -hmm. when I saw that cutscene, I said, Okay, this might have been worth it to get to this kind of... Ex- it reminded me of old school Blizzard cutscenes when you used to watch them and be like... There was a there was a period there when everybody used to be like, Blizzard needs to make a movie! Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember then, that. And then after, you know, uh, the Final Fantasy movie, nobody ever said that again. But, mm. you know, there was a point they were like, they just should make a movie! And then Spirits Within happened. But uh, it reminded me of that being like, man, that's a freaking cool cutscene. It's fairly long. And then it wrapped up the game, and then the game kind of explodes with post-campaign content, um, in in a really like, hey, maybe maybe this campaign is the onboarding for the rest of this game, uh, uh way. Oh, you mean I, the thing that they're going to trap you in so they can keep selling you new seasons? I think that's probably right, but so many so many like um dailies isn't necessarily the right word but that style of thing pop, start popping up hey don't forget to run these quests don't forget to run these don't do the don't miss out on these this is popping off uh started popping up in the game to the point where uh, um it was a bit intimidating and i kind of just put it down <laughs> it's like okay i think i'm done the the other kind of neat thing is you can start a new character and there's just a button that says skip campaign uh, uh for, <laughs> for starting oh, wow. a, for starting wow. a new character so you just you launch in at like level huh. Level one ish, you have a couple of points, but you don't have to do any of the story stuff. And your uh, waypoints are unlocked for for towns, or at least most of them are. You have a horse right away, um, or access to the horse right away, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, and uh, I know, you know, that's going to probably tie into the season pass stuff because you need to have the campaign at least off the table, let's say, to uh, participate in that. So if you want to roll a new character post campaign, you can and just click the little button that says i'm good i don't really need that story anymore but the story itself you, you guys probably could just guess summarize it in like two words it, it, it was neat but there's nothing there's nothing exceptional there okay uh, yeah so, so fun game uh the other thing that i wound up uh, uh pretty much finishing up was i'm not quite done yet but um tears of the kingdom i've got the dang master sword in my hand. I have done uh, the big dungeons. Uh, and I have, uh, if uh, people who are playing it, I have found all the glyphs, which give you a lot of the narrative uh, for that game. And I'm going to say, I think the story in that game, for, not even just for a Zelda game, a story is pretty good. Like, it's uh, it's got some emotional weight to it. Okay. It's like, it's, it's like 
fairly predictable in spots, but you know, still still works for me. Like I don't really come to Zelda for unpredictability, man. You no, know? like I kind of know. I mean, even when they start getting a field of like what the the core ideas of a Zelda are, let's be real, you're still kind of rescuing the kingdom and. and- Sometimes Zelda and sometimes Ganon is there. Not usually with a mushroom stuck on the end of your sword. <laughs> Not all the time. And the, but now you know, all the time. We, that will always be a mushroom stuck on the end of your sword going forward. Um, you know, uh, a thousand times so going in from Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom, which this is kind of a you know total conversion mod, you know, of mm. Breath of the Wild. It's the ROM hack. Like, it is yeah, absolutely yeah. the weird... Like distorted funhouse mirror follow up to the mainstream game. It really is. There are so many similarities, and uh, that never really went away. Uh, but I did enjoy, or I have enjoyed. I, I, you know, I still got plenty of shrines to do and plenty of other side stuff to do. Uh, I bought a house in that game. Uh, I gotta get my house Whoa. all set up. Yeah. Um, but I have the path open to go fight the baddies uh, in the big castle so, with the master sword, right? So <laughs> the clear path for Link is there. I'm not exactly sure how long that direct route will be, but I kind of want to run around the world a little bit more. And uh, it's a big thumbs up. I, I was pretty cool on that game when I first jumped into it because it felt so familiar. But Me too. Um, yeah. yeah, it was like a, a little bit of like, I'm, I'm really just doing all this again. But, um, you know. I warmed up to it, and I'm going to say mostly because of the narrative stuff, not necessarily even from the gameplay, though things do get a little um, easier in terms of the building as you can upgrade your battery, which I found out oh, cool. way too many hours, in, like tens of hours into the game of like, finally I just looked it up and was like, I know there's a way to do this, and mm-hmm. it's, it is definitely more complicated than it needs to be. Everything in that game takes longer than it should. Yeah. That is, that is Nintendo, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's the a feeling I've been having as well. It's been a bit frustrating. Like, oh, I just want to build another cart, and it's going to yeah. take me five minutes to put all the things. And, you know, it's not like they... It just it would be easier with, like, a mouse and keyboard, maybe. It's not like they <laughs> could do much to the controls, I think, to make it any faster. But, yeah, I, people keep... I mean, it's... It's reviewed so well and people keep talking about it that I even last night I played two hours just trying to get more into it, you know. There there are like milestone points that Nintendo didn't have to do that make things easier that I wish they just gave you from the front. Like uh, just just quality of life things that come in later that are just like this would have made life a lot nicer if I mm-hmm. had this twenty hours ago. Or uh you know, if it can be done in one click or one button prompt, Nintendo makes it take five. And it's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, come on, Nintendo. Um, or same, same number of shrines. I don't know. know. I don't know. Like, um, I've got, I haven't hit my second row of hearts yet, but I have hit my second stamina wheel. Um, so I, I'm not sure exactly what that winds up being. I'm going to guess it's roughly the same because the stamina wheel and the hearts are the same. And you can, it's not like you can spend those particular items on something else so uh, i'm not sure what, what, what is it in the first one 120 i think is that right oh gosh what's that divided by four is what 30 so yeah. um i forget how many hearts you get and how many stamina upgrades but you know i'm sure it works out close enough maybe there's a little bit of a buffer there wow. yeah I'm, I'm i'm up to about 80 in breath of the wild now and i'm okay. just like i should just do them all right like am i really beating the game if i don't do all of them i have to do them no. all, right isn't that what people do so that's the devastating thing that I, I feel like you guys maybe were a little like, what? Like, Vinny, come on. It's a Zelda game. Of course, we're going to do it. I did that in Breath of the Wild. And then to watch in the Tears of the Kingdom, all of that stripped away within the first five minutes yeah. of Link having all your hearts and stamina will gone and being like, that, that was God that, damn it. That, that was all my time in the game. You just took it all, everything away. Mm-hmm. 
It's all gone. Uh, it's all gone. Why would I do this again? <laughs> why would mm-hmm. I? Why would I take a picture of every single thing in the game again? I did this already. Uh, but I are video games a huge waste of time. <laughs> Where's? Oh my gosh! Never print out the receipt for your time spent in a game. Um, Slash played on. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, so I mean, yeah, like I, you, you I talking about Diablo just reminded me of the end of that World of Warcraft South Park episode. You know. Mm-hmm. After after months and months of grinding to do a thing and then finishing the thing and it's like okay now what? <laughs> now what do you can mean? Play the game. Now we can play the game. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you're skipping the game that you don't want to play to play more of the game that you may not want to play. That's very what Diablo we, Four for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've uh, at least a nice thing. You're right. I feel like I unlocked the ability to test out n- other characters now without having to go through the whole story in Diablo Four, which is immediately what I did. I rolled like four other characters and we're like. I want to try these other guys out now that I could just kind of cruise around. Uh, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom Diablo 4, uh, my goal before going on break was to clear the plate, basically, to jump into Boulder's Gate a, a bit um, debt-free, game debt-free as much as I could. And I feel like I, um, you know, I don't know if I'll actually cross the uh, uh, Hyrule Castle threshold before Boulder's Gate 3, because there's a lot of other things there to do, but I did want to see basically what I felt like. Mm was the main meat of that game, and, uh, and I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, Brad Shoemaker, anything you want to talk about game-wise from the uh, last uh, week or and a half or so? I have played more Trepang 2 since we streamed it. Hell yeah! yeah. Okay. Which I did not expect to do going into that stream. But then again, I also didn't expect to play that game on extreme difficulty <laughs> until uh, I saw God. that. There's, there's one cheat. There's the insane gore cheat is locked behind extreme difficulty. Okay. And I was like, well, then of course I have to play it on. Like, I'm not going to go back and play it again to finish it on extreme. <laughs> of get course that not. I have to do it from the top. Um, Danny, you've played some of it too? Yeah, I've played like first, uh, you know, I unlock the hub and I've done yeah. one of the levels from that hub. Yeah. Okay. That game is, f- I'm a huge fear fan, so mm. it's yeah, scratching it is- some of that at least. Uh, what is it? It's like thirty bucks on Steam. It's a it's a kind of an indie first person shooter. It is an unabashed fear like like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's kind of a fear clone almost. Like it does not try to hide it at all. I mean, um, why hide it? They don't make those games anymore. Yeah, fair. Yes. Um, but like playing it on that hard difficulty actually is like turning it into a totally different game because literally every room I walk into, I can die in three seconds. Mm. And so it is very much like a. Like, yeah, it's probably going to take 12 tries to beat this encounter, but I'm going to have to, like, pull it apart and try to figure out, like, running a route, you know? And, like, so it's got, you know, it's got slow-mo, it's got stealth, like, camo, stealth camo, sort of cloak, or your two kind of, like, meter-driven things. And the stealth recharges automatically, but the focus, which is your slow-mo juice, you have to kill more people to get more of it. Right. So and you can feather it on and off, so it's turned into this really precise thing of, like, I got to run around this corner, go into focus, pop three headshots immediately, slide into the shield guy to pop him up in the air, get the headshot on him while he's flying, then turn focus off immediately and run back around the corner. You know, it's like this really precise execution challenge that I have been actually having a lot of fun with. Did you pick it up from where we left off on stream? Like, did you redo that whole encounter again? Yeah, dude. The checkpoints in that game are like, yeah, that's so that's the rod optimal. The checkpoints are like so bad slash broken that I have to assume it's intentional almost. Mm. I feel like it has to be intentional. The one I'm on right now, 
I'm standing about five feet in front of what is basically a monster closet that eight guys are going to come out of about <laughs> a second and a half after I spawn. That was like those elevators, right? Where the it, it, it's worse than it is way worse than that. Oh I mean, they my are, gosh! They are literally, if I spin the camera 180 degrees, they are they spawn right behind me. Oh wow! Okay. Basically, as soon as it fades up from black, That's slide tackle those. So it's, it's it is full on. <laughs> like I'm just gonna like hammer on the stealth button as soon as I spawn in and like run away, try to hide behind a bush. Oh like, wow. I'm I'm in some shit right now. I I had a boss encounter that I completed, and then I went to the because there's no like hard save; it's just auto save only. So I was like uh, trying to get to the next checkpoint, and, and then it like I got through a door with the like the little blast thing, and then some dialogue played, and I was like, okay, surely now it did it, great, because I had to like go put my kid to sleep or something, and then I sh- shut the computer down, and then sure enough, it was back to the start of the boss fight again. And I was like, god damn it! Yep. So yep. yeah, you can't trust it. Yes, I'm. So I'm. I'm back in that courtyard we left off on the stream with. Okay. But I beat that encounter. You go in another room, fight a bunch more guys in a very difficult way. Then they send you back into that court, that uh, that courtyard for an even worse round of dudes. <laughs> and does it not checkpoint until you have cleared that entire thing? No. So I did get a checkpoint after kind of halfway okay. through that. So I'm back in the courtyard for the second time. But it's just okay. like it feels like the again. And again, I'm doing the difficulty thing to myself, but. Mm-hmm. It does sort of feel like the game is mocking you at times in a way that I find kind of hilarious. Uh, is that early access? I think it's just out. Is okay. Is that has uh, there been that demo during last year's Steam yeah. Fest? Right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just out. It's just out. Okay, full release. Trepang, Trepang two, Trepang squared. Yeah. What is the? They, they use a superscript. I think I, I, I'm just calling it Trepang two. There okay. is there is no Trepang. It should be yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. It is it is made by Trepang Studios. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe they just had a very limited set of words they wanted to use in the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, Evidently, if if you like if you like fear if you like like Matrix bullet time just you know particles and glass shattering and yeah. dudes flying through the air and all that stuff like it is it is just like that porn basically it's like if, even even if you like like this gameplay of super hot to a certain extent like the yeah. puzzle the yes. puzzly shooter nature of it yeah yes absolutely uh a lot of a lot of blood splatter well yes. a, lot of, a lot of people exploding and that's even uh, before you get to the extreme gore. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you once I've unlocked insane gore. <laughs> uh, Brad, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm still playing Breath of the Wild. I'm still playing Final Fantasy 16. Uh, pretty deep into that. Got like all three icons. I'm past the second time skip for people who have played it. Okay. Um, it's getting into a little bit of the kind of classic Final Fantasy, like magical bullshit stuff. Like it's <laughs> it's all the you know there's a lot of, a lot of the like family drama and backstabbing and and hand wringing over having godlike powers stuff that I was really into in the story. And now there's now there's like some weird faraway mystical antagonist thing in in the picture. Okay, that has made it feel a little bit more rote, a little more Final Fantasy esque. Yes, yes, okay. but yeah, definitely, definitely still barreling toward the end of that. Okay, you feel like that's one you're you're gonna see to completion. Yes, for sure. That's cool. Uh, all right, Alex Navarro. Yes. Uh, I know. Uh, as I was uh, chewing away at Tears of the Kingdom at all hours during the break, every once in a while, a pop up would uh, go in the upper left of my screen that would say, "Alex is playing Advance Wars." God. I wanted to finish that first game's campaign because I had kind of left it off for a little bit uh, as other stuff was coming out. And since I was going to be on the road, I'm like, this is perfect time. I'll grab the switch. I'll, I'll bang this thing out. I'll be done. I'm like a few missions from the end. It'll be fine. 
and I got to the last mission, and uh, I played that about as stupidly as a person can possibly <laughs> play it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I bombed out on the first try, and it's like, fine, whatever, I'll restart. And then I got into this incredible stalemate on this final mission where it felt like I was progressing a little, then the bad guy would progress a little, like we kept just kind of going back and forth. I had to turn off the switch and plug it in and make it sleep mode for at least twice while that mission was still running in the background uh, because it went for like nearly 70 turns in the grand oh scheme of, of, of me playing. Most missions, at least in that first Advance Wars, I don't think I went over the teens in terms of, <laughs> of, of turns. Uh, this was stupid, I'm going to say right now, and it's not because I think the mission is bad or anything. I just wouldn't stop. I refused to restart again. I said, I am going to finish this. I know what I need to do to win. I'm not doing it right, but I'm going to do it right eventually. And I did, finally. It just took hours to do it because I'm dumb. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey, it's look, a good game. War, war is hell, right? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. They seem pretty cheerful about it in that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you just kind of basically war of attrition your way to the totally. end of the game. Great, yeah. It was it was again. I played it about as stupidly as possible, <laughs> but you know I was determined to finish it, uh, and I did. Uh, and Great. now I have Advanced Wars Two waiting for me. So is I, it is it like one of those ending fights that is like notorious? You know the way like in a lot of those tactic-y style games, the last one will be actually like orders of magnitude harder and bigger than the previous ones. Was it, it like that? It is kind of like they they establish they let you fight the the person you fight at the end once in the mission prior to that though it's a much easier mission just so you kind of get a sense of what their units are and what they do but so like in the last mission you usually you come in with one commander that you pick to be your you sort of like here's your bonus abilities and kind of whatever they let you pick three to manage on that one uh, and then you're just up against a massive force of the final boss you know like uh like whatever country it is they represent mm. uh the vaguely fascist looking one um <laughs> and you know it was one of those things where it's like if i had just plotted it out a little more carefully i probably could have beaten that thing at half the time that i did but i was just throwing units at that thing constantly and just like it took me a while to figure out exactly what i needed to do to make it stop i gotcha okay yeah and he didn't want to restart no, I was like, I'm too, I'm I'm pot committed at this point. If sure. I don't, if I if I restart this, I will have failed myself. Did Did we ever figure out if the original game is still running under the hood of this thing, or did they actually remake it? I, we probably don't know. I mean, it doesn't have like a like an original graphics mode or anything like that. I right? didn't see anything like that. As far as I know, the actual gameplay is identical. Like so that I, has not really changed. Interesting. So I, I read something interesting about that game, which is that apparently the the enemy AI in that thing is basically entirely deterministic. Mm-hmm. Which which means you can make it act the same way in a given mission every time if you do the exact same moves. So yeah. people have people have basically figured out exactly how to beat that game down to the exact move order or turn order. I mean, you wouldn't want to play it that way because like that's totally ruining any sense. I don't of know. Maybe I but, should have is the thing. Um, <laughs> it's it's weird to hear that the thing actually is not that dynamic. That it is like super simplistic on the back end if you if you know how to exploit it. I mean, it was right. running on a Game Boy Advance, you know. I mean, as, as advanced as that hardware was, there was a, maybe not as much room to to really kind of build out the AI for that thing. I don't know. I mean, also that first game. My understanding is they did some work on the second one. I don't. I don't know if the if they really changed the AI that much. But you know, hey, look, they, they it's still a very fun strategy game. I will say. You gonna take a little break before the next one? 
yeah, I'm not going to jump right in. I need okay. I need to, to bask in my glory for a little bit here before <laughs> uh, right. before I get into that. Before the war machine spins back up. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to chat about game wise recently before we take another break? Then we are going. No. Yes. Have yeah. you Have you guys played Dave the Diver? I, uh, yeah, I, I, I did. I've been started a little yet. bit. I, I played yeah. some of it. It seems cool. Yeah. Like I got a pretty good sense of the loop. Um, I, do they add a lot over time? I mean, it's like you know, it's kind of almost ridiculous fishing, like diving and catching fish, and then go back and do your sushi restaurant simulation kind of rinse and repeat. But do they add yeah. a lot yeah, more? Yeah, they add, in the 1.0, a bunch more extra stuff kind of came in. And there's a lot of, like, I don't know, some of the mini games. There's a lot of, uh, I, I was taken back by how story-focused that thing ends up being. And, like, they have, like, unique scenarios in it that are, you know, mini games and stuff. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. The, one of the things that's weirded me out a bit is that it's, it's like from an indie publishing label, but I think that label is wholly owned by Nexon. So I think oh, it's just yes, like... I, I think that's right. They're doing the whole like uh, Hollywood studio thing of like having the indie label, but it's just like Paramount or <laughs> Universal, you know? Um, yeah, that thing's, that thing's good fun. I've, I've enjoyed it. It's a good Steam Deck game, at least. Do you have a Steam Deck? Yes. Do you, you not, do? You guys not, yeah. I, uh, during the Steam sale, I was extremely close to getting one. Uh, and the thing that makes me not get one now is I feel like, and I knew this would happen, I feel like I'm caught between whatever hardware shift they might do oh, for, for a refresh or, a, yeah. you know, that, um, what is it? Asus, who put out the kind of competitor? Who, yeah, the ROG Ally is Asus. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Oh, would I just go for that one uh, if I just want the horsepower to run the game? So every use case I have for my Steam Deck would probably be at home streaming off of my actual PC. So I don't actually need to store or have any horsepower in it. But, uh, you know, that's where I got caught. Because it was was a... Pretty significant discount. It was, the, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was like, uh, was a thirty percent off the top one or something? Yeah, was, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but then that also like makes you think, oh, are they just getting rid of infantry because they have a new version coming out? Or, right. Or, you know, but it's also Valve where it's just like maybe they just never do it. I think, even though it's successful, they never do anything with it again. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I did not, but I was very, very, very close. I couldn't. I just couldn't justify it to myself enough, and felt like. Of course, I will be the one who hits commit, and then uh, the next story I see is refresh coming, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, you like it, Danny? Yeah, I think it's great. It's uh, I, I play games on my Steam Deck. I would I play games on the deck that I would not have bought for desktop. Like, I'm not sitting down on my PC and playing Dave the Diver for whatever reason, but like, oh, yeah. it just feels like, oh, if this is a Switch game, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's exactly <laughs> where I was at with that that specific game. Like, I, right. I want to sit at this desk and keep playing it, but like on an airplane, sure. Yeah, Vampire Survivor, same way. Uh, and even some games like, you know, that I would would have played just for fun. Like driving games, like Wreckfest for some reason, <laughs> I got way into doing. And of course, of course st- uh, Stunt Derby as well, you know. That's right. It sounds works, like perfect, works on deck. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> kind of. Is, is it going to be certified to work on deck? When it, it will uh, be. It will be, yeah. yeah. Okay. You can do four-player split screen on the deck on Stunt Derby. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it does, uh, yeah. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you do the whole video feed to a television, it doesn't, it's not as bad, but yeah. You still I'll optimize put- it for Steam Link, please, because I am still oh, yeah. uh, one of the eight people left uh, <laughs> rocking the Steam Link on a daily basis. We use the GameCube like Link cable. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you got to plug all your N64 controllers into the <laughs> multi-top and then it'll work. Well, we're going to take another quick break here. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to uh, talk about uh, these uh, tapes that have found their way into Danny O'Dwyer's 
uh, possession. I was going to say into your beta machines <laughs> that you now have, but we'll find out more about those uh, shortly. So stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm -hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Um, mm -hmm. You can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter. Truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Oh man, oh, Factor, man. what are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity. For their production sites and offices and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. All right, we are back. And we've got some news here. But before we jump into the worldly news out there in the video game industry, we've got a little uh, homegrown news here. Daniel Dwyer, you have uh, now uh, was a side project, would you say? A passion <laughs> project? A project of love? I have to return some videotapes, Vinny. Return, <laughs> return oh, no. them to the internet. Make Those sure are your you tapes now, man. <laughs> yeah, please rewind. Be kind. Rewind. Uh, so, uh, what is what's the official NoClip archive? What is the official uh, uh, branding? I, I, I don't know. Where, where the actual tapes themselves? I'm trying to. I, I don't. I'm trying to like not have it so that it looks like these are ours mm. to, to to me they're they're a a they're responsibility that is passing through exactly they belong they're, to the world exactly <laughs> i mean we did I, not create this i, I have to say like having a youtube channel is one thing but seeing that you are putting them unaltered or you know in high quality on archive.org that was the point when i was like oh my god this is a noble effort <laughs> this <laughs> is like this is for all humanity this is going <laughs> on the archive yeah it was mostly archive was definitely like the first idea and then it was like 
Okay, so we got these tapes. Long story short, I'm sure most of the people who are listening to this podcast probably know this story, but we uh, came into the possession of some videotapes, mm-hmm. which are, you know, an ex, an old media company. I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, most of it is from one source, uh, a place that many of us worked. And it uh, essentially, it's like a collection of videotapes, some of which are assets from games developers, some of which are interviews that would have been subsequently edited on computers and exported to the internet some of them is are just gameplay recordings that were used in features at one stage um and a lot of this stuff you know this, these were all backups and a lot of this stuff because of i guess youtube having only really come around after a lot of this stuff was recorded um and also the fact that a lot of the video game websites in the past you know they changed video robots over the years the codex and compression that was used at the time for some of this stuff uh some of this stuff was only ever used to like source you know not screenshots but like maybe used to then be represented in a text article for instance Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of like really great game history here that does not exist anywhere on the internet so the idea was let's go through it I am familiar with a lot of this source material uh, as a fan, so mm-hmm. I literally can like look at some of these tapes and they have acronyms on them and go, oh, I remember that's that show they did for a while, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm in a good position to be able to go through these, um, gingerly, carefully extract the stuff that has historical value, leave the stuff that is, you know, maybe a bit more personal or or has no historical value like just pure gameplay capture of games that you can still play on HDTVs today mm. um, and then upload that stuff to archive and then the idea with YouTube was that as much as this stuff has historical value and it should be saved somewhere to me you know having a museum with no one walking around it is kind of pointless like uh, the archive should be something that people are able to interact with and talk about and, you know, source themselves and things like that. So we set up a separate YouTube channel uh, called No Clip Archive, where we're basically putting up sometimes edited versions of them, um, only because, like, for instance, we had to edit all the Beatles music out of the rock band intro to the uh, Microsoft. Why? I can't post. imagine why you would need to do that. It, it was wild, Alex. It was a full block. Yeah. Just like complete YouTube. Nope. Can't go up. Yeah, I so believe we had it. to. So that's up on archive. You can download the full version, and then we did a bit of a, a little bit of a noise cancellation on the YouTube version as well, just to clean it up. But um, yeah, the idea is to go through all these tapes. It's probably going to take years. Um, you know, it's a lot of tapes. It's a lot. Yeah, of tapes. I, you like, know, it's a lot of tapes. One it's of the things of I, the main thing I want to ask you almost is like, how much physical space are we talking about? Did you have to rent a storage locker? Like, uh, so they're in. The, I can't see them because they're on the other side of this glass. This. Not transparent glass window. Um, they filled a uh box truck, but not like one you'd use to move like a like like not not one that's like a tall box truck, like a the U-Haul one that like is a little bit short, like that's still like a tiny six U-Haul, and a okay. half foot. Yeah, yeah. But, like but a U-Haul foot. was required. Okay, a U-Haul was required, and I packed it, and it was and it was it was all in there. Um, and also I might have gotten some tripods and some other things as well, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a there is a, a, a variety of uh, formats of media there. You have you, I know you have beta, yes. you have mini DV, DVC Pro, DVC Pro HD, probably. Yes. Um, DV Cam, DV Cam, HD Cam. Okay. Mini DV. Okay. Um, VHS, not many, but okay. some. Uh, yeah. So thankfully, most of them are in some sort of relatively high resolution. 
you know, uh, HD or HD adjacent formats. Sure. The VHS ones are the hardest ones. Like the HD cam ones are a breeze. I've just got it. I've got all the players beside me here. HD cam player goes in. I STI to HDMI convert it, and it actually goes into um like a like a what is it um like a ninja I've okay a, mm-hmm. just like that. So I yeah. just record it onto an Atmos drive. I pull yeah. them off the sled. So that's actually pretty easy. The VHS stuff is harder because it involves inter- deinterlacing or how much do you do? And HDMI upscalers, I don't want to upscale anything because I, well, I want the rawest version of the tape. Um, because you upscalers- capturing RF signal directly. <laughs> right. It's, so it's all very, you know, there's been some stuff on Archive that we've replaced already because I got some feedback from people saying you should do this and that and this. Um, yeah, I, I think the... The purest example of everything you're talking about here from historical value to, you know, improving video quality and everything is the Space World 2000 tech demo footage. You're right. Like, yeah. and, and you clearly identified that because you straight up labeled it as such on, on YouTube, like highest quality ever seen on the Internet. Because like, you, have you seen them? Like the versions that are online oh, now dude, are just the, like. I was, I mean, I was a very cool college student. I was sitting there in uh-huh. the dorm in 2000 downloading like a shitty, you know, 320 by 200 maybe. QuickTime, like .mov from GameSpot or IGN, like as that show was going on, you know, like I was the day that shit got posted, I was like, oh my fucking God, look at this footage. But like those videos are like unwatchable, you know, those are like useless. So that's like, that's like real ass public service that you're doing with, with something like that, putting something like that out there in that high quality. Yeah, and, and like, you don't know, like with some of the tapes I've put in and it's been like, I don't know what this is going to be like that one immediately, because I remember that demo and I remember the the Mario 128 or whatever it was that weird. Yeah. Ta- and there's more of that stuff like there is there's not here, but like I know there is more that was shown at that press conference and all that. But like, I remember when I got that tape, I was like, I think this looks better. And I went for a Google search and like. There are people who have tried to AI upscale it as recently as like six months ago. Like that shows you how much people wanted this stuff to look good. There was um, uh, there's a, there's one version that just has a huge IGN watermark because, like you said, the it was four by three and the resolution was low, but the watermark stays the same size, so it just takes up like a quarter of the screen. You know what I mean? It's like stuff is gross. So between that and like one of the coolest things we put up was the we got all these tapes that were we found these tapes that were. Bioware branded tapes that they were sending out to games websites. Presumably, if you couldn't go to E3, here mm-hmm. is our demonstration. And we had, we have Knights of the Old Republic up. We have, so before the game was even announced, Neverwinter Nights before it was announced, Neverwinter's Nights a year into development. There's a Baldur's Gate 2 expansion on there as well. We haven't put up yet. And there might be something else as well. But those are like, I mean, those were never meant to be on the internet, but like it's been, you know, 20 something years, I don't think. The doctor is going to knock on my door or anything. <laughs> so I was baffled at where those particular tapes came from. I, I assumed somebody had shot those in an E3 meeting or something, but you explained, you know, before we started where those came from. And that feels so like delightfully naive to me now, because even, <laughs> even a couple of years after those tapes were sent out, when I got in full time, like nobody was doing that anymore because, mm. because the risks of being on the internet had finally been properly identified. You know? And at that mm-hmm. point, nobody was going to send out tapes of something they didn't want going on the internet. Cause that's just, you know, it's like, hey, come to the meeting and see it or don't <laughs> like you're not and, getting you're not getting a hard copy of this later. And the way they record it is so like they are even not sh- sure about what, you know, because like I had the top and tail these as well. They're a little bit like rougher at the start trying to get everything set up. And then um, 
like there's a like first of all PC gameplay on a VHS just looks terrible because it's like you know what are they 1024 by 768 maybe and it's a crunch down and like <laughs> it doesn't even fill up the full frame it's like it, there's black bars all over the edges of it and high motion stuff doesn't track and the frame rate's all weird and then at one stage the guy was like uh, and feel free to ask us any questions like at the end because he was just doing his E3 presentation and then another guy off to the side goes like three seconds later goes Via email. <laughs> <laughs> that was the PR guy for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, it is very moment in time. You know what I mean? Like that, those ones especially, but we're finding stuff like that. Like I found a, what did I, yesterday I found, I'm digitizing a, uh, got a Miyamoto interview uh, around the launch of the Wii here. I found the, there was a time as well where, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe GDC before they had their own video team would just hire out GameSpot to do like the IGF, the GDC awards, mm-hmm. and then s- certain things. So there's some of those we have here, but it's like multicam stuff. So it was presumably either edited live and there was a, so these were all backups that were being recorded on the cameras while it was being switched live, I guess. And then there was maybe a source version Is it the of that. award show? It's the award show. We have the I award did shows. <laughs> did you? I did. I did. That was an amazing experience. That was, uh, that was. Uh... <laughs> do you switch or on camera? Oh gosh, we. Uh, I think I was technical directing that. I don't think I was okay. on camera for that, and it was one of those things where I, I remember Frank Adams and I having to run around uh, and go find black pants because we had to we we had to wear we had to dress up because it's the award show and we had we did not bring we had jeans and stuff so it was like frank and i like in like a marshall's or something like moments before the show being like we just gotta get we gotta get some black pants uh we gotta buy some it was also that i remember this very clearly we were rehearsing at at the studio in, in GameSpot and running through and we're having it's a it was a complicated show and we had a lot of graphics motion graphics at the time we had a fairly deep team at that point too so it wasn't just like a tricaster and all the cues and all the all the stuff and i remember it was getting late and uh somebody was like all right uh i mean i'm i gotta go uh, i just remember being like but we didn't do it perfectly yet oh like, no like how could you leave like we're we we haven't had a run through where we haven't fucked up and it was just like this weird moment of like i just couldn't believe i, I could be like it could be like but we're gonna go in we haven't done this right mm-hmm. uh and uh it wound up being it t- turning out okay um you know and was like hey let's just run through this one more time kind of thing <laughs> but it just like blew my mind right like like how, how? could you leave we how we, could we you had, do this we haven't even done it we keep messing up uh and we have to do this that was a that was yes you're sorry long story short yes <laughs> that was that happened where there's probably in the tapes you have are the in tape in camera tapes. And then um, I think it was live switched. There must be a master somewhere. That's what I was thinking. I, yeah. I, I haven't been able to find some of these masters. And then some of them I'm like, do we re-edit this? Like, do I go in and like <sighs> put them all in the timeline and just like oh, do gosh. a rough, you know, if we, but the problem is we don't, if we don't have the, the feed, we probably don't have the graphics is the issue. We'll have right. all the cameras, but we won't have. Um, and then like there was one, for instance, there was the, I have the Miyamoto, GDC, I want to say 09 keynote speech, and that was a similar situation where I bet it was a camera um, that was being fed into uh, a TriCaster or something uh, or whatever you guys were using back then. Um, but uh, the audio, there's a wide shot, and the audio is great. And I was like, yeah. oh, this actually, you could put this up. But then when they swapped tapes, 
they forgot to uh, set the audio back to whatever shotgun they were using so it's mm. just the like more normal mic on the camera so it goes from like sounding great to sounding like shit for the second half and I'm like okay maybe <laughs> maybe maybe this can't go up uh, or maybe it will but I'll do some work or uh, so it's weird yeah there's like yeah. a lot of stuff like that where uh, one of the things we found was do you remember I think it was Guy Cocker and Werner Goff went on the stalker uh, trip to Ukraine where they went to Pripyat. Yes. Oh my gosh. Poor Werner had his badge like turned bright red or whatever it was. His like radiation badge. I believe. Uh, I think he said his like leg never felt the same or something. Yeah. Didn't he bring back his hazmat suit? Wasn't that the story? I think that was a thing that yes. And we were all like, you can't. You are. You cannot do that. Uh, you should have thrown that away. In yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I'll call uh, anybody out here. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm I, sure Warren Dog won't mind. Uh, <laughs> Um, I haven't seen him in a long time. He was a uh, he was a good drinking buddy when I first came over. Yeah, uh, uh, but anyway, there was um, I found the tapes from that trip, and there's a bunch of interviews with the stalker devs before that game came out. There's a bunch of footage from Pripyat and all that stuff from Kiev, and like considering what's going on in that country right now, it is mm. very bizarre to be looking at the rushes of this thing and and, Mm. i'm thinking like this is so for instance that's a good example of something that like i don't really feel comfortable just publishing all that like it doesn't that doesn't seem to be like respectful of of you know people's the way they were filming or or what they were filming you know what i mean like it's it's a lazy way of doing it too so for those i'm like oh do we package this like do we take all the footage that's there and like remake a preview you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we edit stuff all the fucking time. So it's like not that outside of our wheelhouse. Um, or do we make like a modern documentary about Stalker and like go interview the folks at, you know, the, the, the two studios that sort of grew from that first game. Yeah. And then use all this footage as like, you know, source footage, you know. or, or So that it's those types of questions that I'm trying to figure out. You those know, are weird. Yeah, those are interesting ones, right? Like of like, yeah, what did. This is this has interesting academic, you know, relevance, right? You know, it's a stalker is a game. For every stalker, there's probably a game. There's a, three tapes of that nobody's ever heard of, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah, because right, there were a lot of preview trips for Gamespot, as <laughs> Rad uh, very much knows. He went to, he mm-hmm. went on a lot of trips to see a lot of games that were not stalker and <laughs> did not go on to be stalker. I mean, uh, at least two of the videos you put up so far, I may have been on that trip. Oh really? Which ones? Uh, Infinity Ward and the Nintendo Company Museum one. God, I, dude, I went to both of those studios in those years, and it, the trips were happening all the time. It's possible I was not on those exact trips, but that's so I went, cool. I went to both of those offices in the years posted on here, so it's possible I was off playing a game at the same time. <laughs> I love how yeah, uh, Werner was also recording the Infinity Ward one, and when I got to the and I was like. Oh my god! It's but it's like both Zampella and West doing this tour of this place that they would then be subsequently fired from. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a good time. That that one it was nice to see that the company theater that they show yeah. off in that because I played Call of Duty Four for the first time on that twenty foot screen in that company. Oh, cool! <laughs> we had like we had an exclusive hands on, and like Vince drove me to the studio in his very expensive car himself, <laughs> and led me in there and was like, "Here you go, like play the level." And it was it's just a, like, you know, like, I, I've, I've heard from a lot of Infinity War people that that was like doing the rounds in the office and like a lot of them like remembered were there and then some people weren't, but had heard about it. And mm. like, that's kind of cool too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. getting it, it up there. And like, it's in the mission of Noclip to like humanize developers and show the process. And, you know, that's not every tape is like that. And like, you definitely also run into the 
this was the era of the PR person, right? Being the front, uh, being like the 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 voice for yeah. the game as well. So you do get into some of that where you know there's interviews that are quite like you know the interviewee is the video producer whose responsibility it is to interview the person, film it, edit it, especially with the E3 tapes, edit it and everything, right? So when they turn up for the interview, it's not like me being like, oh, I've got to do this documentary about this video game. I better have done the research. They're like, tell me about the game. Uh, what's, you know, multiplayer? What platform is yeah. going to be at? Blah, blah. So they're, some of those are like fairly boilerplate in a way that's like, ah, this doesn't need to go anywhere, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a mill. You know, it, oh yeah, you you yeah. got to the point where you could do a video interview for a game you knew nothing nothing about, pretty much. <laughs> right. Like there were enough stock questions in your head that you could pretty much get through it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's funny that the, I mean, look, that was a different time of video games coverage, and, right? Um, it was a different time of games. A lot of that stuff would just be done in house now. That's like, uh, you know, a lot of that coverage at the time. I feel like you just had to hope. The, uh, uh, a site would run it right because you want press you you know you don't have you don't have the internet to go and the fans of your game to just go directly to the source at that point so yeah it, it was really interesting and it's a, and that's i think part of it whereas like modern expectations for what some of these things are might be off a bit <sighs> so trying to find like i basically when i'm doing this sort of stuff there's two things that i'm, I'm in my head there's one I want to make sure that we squeeze as much historical relevance out of this stuff as humanly possible. And two, I don't want anyone to feel bad about anything, especially something that like they worked on 20 years ago and put up on the internet and never thought and second about it that it was going to be this guillotine hanging over their head. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about like saying people saying stuff that like isn't acceptable by today. Nothing like that. I'm just saying like people who are like doing their job the way it was meant to be back then, like those really quick interviews. But without the modern, with it, like modern context, people might think, "Oh, they were being lazy, or they should have asked about this, <laughs> right. or they didn't know the game." You know what I mean? Like stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't want. I don't want anyone to feel any hit, like twinge of you know awkwardness or embarrassment or or I'm out of the public eye now, so I don't want. Why are there new videos about me going on the internet? Right. So that's you know because there's some interviews that are like, uh, it's one it's one camera and there's, there's the host and the interviewee. So, like, for those ones, I'm going to be reaching out to people and saying, like, how do you feel about this going on the internet? Like, do you care or do you not care? And if they do, then you know, I even trimmed out. Uh, Ricardo was in the Nintendo tour. I actually cut him out of it. I didn't realize he was still in another shot. So I felt bad about that. I was like, ah, should have got him out of that one. Um, but he was he was in the ending of it. And I, I trimmed it because I was like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to be, you know, right. camera again. You know, I don't blame it. Does, you know. Does and does Ryan McDonald? Does you know? I don't. Any of these folks we see on the tapes. I don't know if they want to. Anyone, you know, you. You know what I mean? Like you guys, maybe don't want old. You know, tape like does. And as a fanboy, it's weird because like for me, like one of the tapes, one of the tapes I've been searching for was to see if Greg's Oblivion playthrough is anywhere. <laughs> the the marathon. I, yeah, and I don't know if there was a I, tape back up. On I, it. There I was definitely a tape. Well, was no, there? there there was because I feel like he had to swap the tapes constantly, or, or at least on? maybe it was a Could, recording. Could it have been on DVC Pro? It uh, would have been on probably the longest thing we had <laughs> running oh, at so the a, time. Like a big <sighs> HD cam or you know, beta cam? Or, no, I think it might have been mini DV with those clamshells. Oh, that, those, really? Yeah. That exists, I haven't looked in all those yet. Like, that, like that's the thing. As, as you have started doing this, like that's the thing. I've seen the most people go like, oh my God, I hope they find that Oblivion Marathon. And I, I, had, I had always thought there was no hard copy of it. I always, I had always heard 
or maybe I was mistaken that, that it didn't actually get taped. So if it did, that's that's maybe maybe that's I'm wrong. News. I thought I thought he had to go and um, I think you're uh, right. If you want, I feel like there's breaks where he goes and he has to go swap something, but I can't remember what it was. There's also the fire alarm went off right during it. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that definitely um, happened. It might have been a thing where he stopped recording at some point, too. I could also be confusing it with, we did a thing at Giant Bomb with him that was like a long playthrough yes, of, of where we had to swap tapes. and, and, and Was that Skyrim or something did you more, do? It was was bef- it, oh, it was Skyrim. That's right. Was it Skyrim? We, had, we had Skyrim before it came out. <laughs> yeah. As soon as but, we could, we had that's him there to do that. But like, I, I kind of remember leaving him there. And talking about having to like swap the, here's a stack of tapes and like here swap the tapes in, um because it was a live stream right mm-hmm. yeah and was there no edited like was there no like uh hey here's this thing in in five ten minutes like I feel like GameSpot would have done a, a post on it that's like hey here's the th- here's Greg's highlights of Greg's thing could your guys' video player restream however many hours it was would there have been a hard limit on it yeah because i don't know because even youtube wouldn't allow you to upload videos longer than 10 minutes probably in that era so yeah i want to say the akamai back end was not like like were we streaming to akamai then geez i don't even remember exactly where we were streaming to was probably an akamai back end but i I think think it it was akamai i don't think they did vod's like that i think you when we streamed you had to go Put the archive up to watch. You missed the stream. You have to watch the archive. It was all bespoke, wasn't it? I mean, this is a Dave Tool question, ultimately. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, well, right. The whole thing was like bespoke, like hand-built, right? No, I mean, the Akamai stuff was that was their streaming service at the time. It was all just, you know, RTMP, you know, endpoints, and you, you stream to it. But the I don't think they had VOD stuff, so you couldn't, but, like, rewind, yeah. right? You couldn't, like, go back in time. I don't know. I... I um, Oddly enough, I, after I saw that stuff go up, I went looking because I at some point made a database of the tape archive <laughs> uh, on my own in like PHP. Uh, and because I was so, look, the archiving of those tapes was n- it was an afterthought, right? Those tapes right. Went, went in a room. I'm pretty meticulous myself uh, just about like keeping track of things. So I wanted all the tapes to be in the right number on them and stuff like that. So I've made a archive in PHP and I have, I found it. I found the database. Amazing. Um, uh, and just, I can, you told me this before the podcast and I was losing my mind. I couldn't. Believe yeah. It. And I can, I can, at some point I can try and bring it up and see if I could search for like oblivion. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, I, it's not full, you know, I don't have all the tapes on there, but it's probably mostly, uh, from when, uh, I was there to when I got sick of keeping that archive, but uh, uh, I, I could definitely go take a look at it. I need to look in the mini DVs because they're the ones that I have not. Because there's just boxes full of loose ones of those, yeah. so they're the one that's going to be a lot of the a lot of work. The DVC pros don't have much written on them, so I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> but one of the things that came up um, was last week I found, or two weeks ago I found a tape that had the Oblivion video review tape on it. Oh, and there was a really uh like a uh, bittersweet conversation <laughs> between um uh, uh uh Greg who was obviously sitting in the chair um Ryan and Jeff mm. Ryan De- Ryan Davis and Jeff Gersman and they were talking to Greg about the game cuz Greg sounded like Greg had come from like mainlining that game for three days straight you know what I mean and coming into the office and they had loads of questions kind of about it and they're just off camera 
But it was, and like, that's something that obviously, like, I can't put that anywhere. That's not no. appropriate or cool that's or for anything. You, that's not for yeah. the people. I felt no, a chill not. go down my spine when you said that because it I raised, know, it, raised right. it raised the specter of some of the raw recordings of my first video reviews being in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a situation where it's like, that's, I'm not going to, like, the, the raw video review tapes, they're, I'm not going to even review those because I know what the, I might fast forward to see if there's anything else that was sure, recorded on sure. that tape, maybe, but like, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, spend fucking days. This is a big enough job without yeah, having sure. to watch a bunch of, but, but it, but it was one of those weird situations of like, even like you never know. I have to be so delicate with this stuff because like, you never know what you're doing that even in 10 years might actually be a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a fine line with some of that stuff. And yeah. I think, you, you know it when you see it and I think the one thing that makes me feel a little bit confident about that is the fact that I have the fanboy context for all this sort of stuff I kind of know a decent amount of the grander context of some of this stuff and then when I don't I have all you lovely people that I can send a DM and ask sure. you know um, dude if, if, so. if, if you th- if you think my published video reviews are bad you should see the <laughs> other two hours that didn't make it in right. of stumbling yeah. over not knowing what I'm talking about with no camera training <laughs> Yeah, you were young too, right? Yes. You were there. How old were you when you started GameSpot? Uh, I was 23. Right. 24. Yeah. 23. That's... Alex, how old were you when you... 21. Right. God, you guys were yeah. babies. I was just... <laughs> I, felt, I, had, I had Every time, for the first several video, like a couple years of video reviews, video pieces that I got assigned, like I felt bad for the producer that was paired with me <laughs> at some point. <laughs> just getting fed up with me, not being able to get the information out. Well, it's 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 a different discipline, you know, like right. we were hired as writers primarily. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I at least when I was brought in, there was definitely a discussion of, OK, video reviews are a thing we do. You know, we have a presentation. We have a way of going about them. They had just started doing like the, you know, don't play this game, like kind of comedy videos a little bit before I got there. And, you know, I was brought in with the express notion of you're going to primarily be a writer. You're going to be writing a lot. You will. That's going to be 80 percent of what you do here. But also, you know, our video thing is doing really well. You know, we want to get everyone on camera wherever we can. So it was very much like on the job training for that stuff for, I think, all of us. You know, like none of us came in with a, you know, broadcast pedigree. It was very much uh, you are learning how to do this because this is just part of the job. But we're actually not going to give you any training. In fact, actually, we're going to change this process at least three or four times (laughs) while we're here. Sometimes you're going to write scripts. Sometimes you're going to go off the cuff. Uh, We got this teleprompter. You're going to try that now. Oh, God. So we learned how to do all that stuff. But it also was constantly in flux of like, what is what are you actually asking of us when it comes to these presentations? Fucking amateur hour. Yeah, totally. 100%. We turned amateur hour into gold is what I'm going to say, because I think that is a really hard thing to get socially awkward nerds to do well. Yeah. And I think that over time, just about all of us got pretty seasoned at it. I remember the first I think it was one of the first video reviews I was shooting there. I had to tell the person I'm not going to say who it was, but I had to tell the person like, do you? Do you want some water? You're making <laughs> because uh-huh. they were doing a lot of no, no, just because they were like very dry, like that, like mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. I was like, you know, very politely, kind of like yeah, six exactly. Like, do you need a uh, do you need some water or something like that? Do you want to take a break? Because I had come out of like very clean audio, very you know mm-hmm. my previous jobs, like hey, you know, uh, this has to be perfect. You know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna trim the the hell out of this thing, and you know, you would have a producer behind you being like, stop 
do it again. There was like a tiny lip smack. And like that was not the case no. here, which was just like, get we through ha- it. You have exactly an hour to yeah, finish this. Right. So yeah. let's just go. And this has to be up in, in an hour. So like, yeah, you know, wild. you're filming it and yeah. And, and rendering is going to take an hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Uploading is going to take an hour if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have bad news for you, Danny. I did a quick search of a, a text drop of that database. I could not find anything. That said Oblivion Marathon. The only thing I could find was a Super Paper Mario Marathon that is like four tapes, but I don't remember what that is. Dude, I have cool. I, I have a vivid memory of the morning after that stream. Of the Greg one? Who was on <clears throat> it? Of the Oblivion no, of the Oblivion stream. Oh yeah. Of of, of I have a, a vivid memory of Vince Brody coming in the office and just like exuberant <laughs> walking down the hall, going like like when's the next one fire let's go get go get san andreas let's fire it up let's go because it had done like it had done like so much better numbers than anybody because who the fuck thought somebody wanted to watch 12 hours of somebody playing a video game oh isn't that so wild in 2006 yes and then the business people saw how it did and they were like fucking let's go yes it was it was it was our fault uh, (laughs) and like kudos to greg for for doing it i mean that was that was a huge champ through that thing um it was like that's a pioneer right there of not, like not only like what was it twelve hours I think I think yeah, so, yeah. Hours. not not only was it twelve hours it was twelve hours overnight after I think he had worked an entire day already. yes he <laughs> just like, kept going and he was gonna review that and also they turned the AC off in that place you know oh yes, my god at nighttime oh yeah. no so like that was a very hot sticky office when that the um, AC went off I slept there for a week once when I was in between ugh. apartments ugh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that for one they, day. Look, they had good showers in that building. I had to use them. That is <laughs> on true. Occasion they did have facilities. Had that vending machine up on the fifth floor that had uh, had like meals in it. You can uh-huh. get and it's yeah. it's 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 you can get as it's well. it's the little yeah. ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, not the only little, time not little about them. The only time I slept in the office was my birthday weekend. The the year <laughs> the PS3 came out because it came out on my birthday weekend. So I had oh, wow. to I had to come into the office. And review a bunch of PS3 games on the weekend. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drive back to Petaluma. I'm just going to sleep here on Saturday night. <laughs> and I did. I spent the entire goddamn weekend in in the office doing that. I also spent the previous birthday weekend in the office doing the 360 launch. And I did not sleep there that time. And you know what? I actually probably should have just gone back to Petaluma because I felt like fucking shit on Sunday <laughs> after sleeping on that couch. I had spent enough time sleeping in that office to know that I could always turn that corner to find Matt Rory also sleeping in that office doing, <laughs> yes. a, doing a game guide. If I ever got lonely, just go find Matt Rory, who would be he's in there, awake and like totally up uh, working on some horrible game guide. I'm sure he'd had enough Red Bulls that sleep was not an option. <laughs> uh, what do you know? What year that Oblivion thing would have been? Oh six. So I think yeah. it was right around launch. So I think my archive probably won't have that, unfortunately, because I'm looking here and a lot of it starts around 07. So okay. I, okay. There, is, there is hope. There is hope for it. It doesn't mean it's not there. There is hope. Uh, and I'm curious, like my my vague cloudy memory and everybody listening to this knows my memory is the worst is it. I think it was supposed to be archived and then like the, the tapes stopped getting switched at something because I do remember watching some of it and greg having to get up and be like sorry i gotta take a break gotta switch the tape you know every hour because it was like every hour you had to go switch or whatever yeah Um, if it's mini dv especially those things don't run very long so it is also very possible at some point and this wasn't me because i i um 
to a fault i have a problem with this stuff but those tapes started getting recycled and, and yeah, recorded yeah. over at some point especially the mini dv ones yeah um uh because you know we were buying them by the crate you know yeah. they were they were that was a cost so uh, <laughs> i know i have lots of crates of them in my <laughs> possession mm-hmm. right uh yeah so at some point we're like do we need this thing that nobody wants yeah. anymore right and, and they got re-recorded over so uh, there was a recycling Un- understandable uh, like yeah. yeah it's 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 but it's amazing any of this stuff is around and look you can it can go on a land i mean i'm not going to throw it in a landfill we'll keep it in the, we'll keep it in the storage locker just in case f- for the end of time but um yeah i i think it's just cool that like i was talking to jeff about this as well that like i think it's really cool like for them to have gotten to this stage it they, they needed people to have given a shit over the course of two decades the to, finish it, to not yeah. throw the tapes in the trash in the first place like when they were done with them people like you who went through and like uh you know did all these this work on it i talked to rich about it a couple <laughs> weeks ago i was interviewing him for a separate thing and uh i was like uh uh you know he was also talking about the couple of times that they had to do some work on mm-hmm. on it and every time uh the companies changed uh not just buildings but floors there was mm-hmm. always a question of, is this the time to throw out grandma's totally. attic? You yes. know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's, uh, you know, I, in a way I feel like I had to like, I had to like make a bunch of noise to try and like get people to see this. And I got interviewed by the BBC and all this sort of stuff. But like a part of me, a big part of me felt like I'm getting a lot of praise here for something that is actually the work of lots and lots of people, not just the people who save these tapes, but the people who did all the work on them. So, um, it's a. Uh, it's. Uh, I think I'm happy now that that's all done and we've gotten the word out. And now it's just like, okay, time to get to work. Let's spend a couple of years that's a doing lot of this work. properly. It's fun though. I don't yeah, know. For me, it's like okay. sounds fun as hell. Man. It is. It is fun. Like, yeah, I'm, it's I'm, a fun I'm one. Practical. I'm resisting the urge to be like, if you need any help, I'm. I could come up and like go. Through <laughs> you should some come tapes up sometimes you. if you want, or I can give I you some like, of them if you want to check them out yourself. <laughs> if you, if you want to or, load them in, but, and, yeah, you know, I can just give, log them. Give you one of my tapes and my all my decks are here. You guys can't see it on there. Oh wow, bunch of them there. So. Was, oh, was, up, <laughs> was are the Inter- interactive achievement awards the things you were talking about before the or is- IAAS I did see one of those tapes this morning I, okay. I was talking about the IGF and the GDC awards but okay. I did see the interactive academy, so they are out there academy of yeah. interactive arts and sciences sciences yeah so there's but again it's an issue of like some of the boxes when they were packaged up as well I think stuff got mm-hmm. mixed up so it has been a bit of work to try and like uh, it'll be like Microsoft conference tape one, uh, you know, wide or you know, screen camera um, two, and then it's basically piecing them all together. Like I have a bunch from the IGF over there, and I'm missing one of them. Um, okay, but I, I but I, it's just a case of having to go through it and 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 find it. I will uh, try and get this database over to you because I do see <laughs> ten interactive achievement award tapes here that um, you know, if you're curious about Warhawk. Well, that's the stuff is like, is like, you never know. There'll be, I think about this with like all the episodes of On The Spot, like that stuff was really well preserved. What makes me excited about that is that that shit was never online in 1080i. You know what I mean? (laughs) This was definitely not 2008 or 2006, right? So like when we got the Microsoft press conference up and it's like, it's like broadcast quality. It's like, oh my God, this is how good it would have looked had we had the infrastructure on the internet to to allow this to be be the case so 
and it, it it literally came up. We we did a documentary. We're in the middle of a series on Hyperlight uh, Breaker at the moment with Heart mm. Machine. And the first interview we did, I or the first tape um, episode, we interviewed Leslie Matheson, who is a producer, and she has like an incredible like Moby Games page. Her CV is like like you know she was one of the founders who made Ratchet and Clank. She worked on all these awesome games, and I was looking through archives to see if I could find her anywhere, and the only one I found was an interview with Rich on On The Spot for, that was somebody in the GameSpot community Please. had preserved on and put on. The on The yeah. Spot. On The Spot. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, should I, I should dye my eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> there you well. go. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, it was, and it was there, but it was terrible quality. We ended up using it in the, in the cut, but I used like three seconds of it as B-roll with no audio. Okay. If I had the interview... Then right. it becomes source that we could actually weave into the story. And I'm thinking about all of the people who sat on that couch over the years and all of the interviews and that stuff I think is going to be super like cool to have up. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Or know? at least for, for you to share with a small circle of people that can laugh at it and be like, remember this <laughs> and then mm-hmm. be like, uh, I, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to close this document here because I keep just scrolling it. But if I'm going to mention, put this bug in your ear for you to find and again, share with a small circle of people. But I have a tape here labeled. It says it's 0772. It's an HD cam tape. And it just says <laughs> G.A.M.E. Oh, Capoe- I want to check that out. Capoeira performance. <laughs> Oh, so, I definitely want to check that out. Oh my god! <laughs> so, if you if you find the Capoeira performance from Game, uh, do you know who, what, for what is G A M E? It's the the Games and Music Experience. Experience. That, One of the many follies that the, the games folks at GameSpot yeah. undertook. The Moscone <laughs> yes, that was event the, that with was the, the Lowriders. That, yes, that was yeah. the GameSpot's going to do its own physical event. Not a trade show exactly, but it, no, it's an experience. Wow, it is. New. Is there a number on it? Uh, I I have to I really have to get this into uh, a database form because right now it's just in like raw PHP SQL or whatever. Yeah, yeah my, exactly. My, my two missions for you are to find that Capoeira performance and mm-hmm. also find the uh, the highest definition version you can of that Grandma's Boy cast interview that oh, Rich boy. had to do. I don't remember that Grandma's Boy, <laughs> the movie, the yes, movie. Yes, the cast the ca- of that movie minus Adam Sandler was at that thing. Well, Sandler wasn't have, in that movie. Oh, he was, was just all his. Fr- I think oh, he might have had a cameo, right. but his friends were just all the guys right. in that movie. Right. Yes. <laughs> Can I? Okay, I'm going to say two words to you, and you guys have to imagine what this tape is. I saw it written on the tape, and I was like, "Well, I got to fucking watch this," um, and it's brilliant. Um, but I found one tape that had ludicrous dog patch written on it. <laughs> okay. Well, dog patch is definitely the the, the venue. Uh, yeah, Dog, Dog Patch Studios, like, yeah. common. I think that's where they did all the backyard wrestling events. Mm. Is that yeah. true? So, yeah, I didn't, I, I figured it was, like, something <laughs> somewhere in the Dog Patch. I didn't know about that venue, I guess. Yes. But then when I saw the tape, I saw the venue. It was a PlayStation 3, like, launch event-y type thing. Okay. And uh, Ludacris turns up and does, like, a set. And a okay. bunch of it's recorded. And it's very... Very silly. That's I, great. I think I think Dog Patch is where I interviewed ICP. Oh my god, that's that right. backyard wrestling. You might you might be able to find that footage oh, in there. A hundred percent. That was backyard wrestling. Oh, I can't. Yes, wait. That was back, yes, that was backyard wrestling. Absolutely. Do I have your and, and Andrew WK? I, all, I interviewed Andrew oh. WK and ICP at the same event. 
Can I put that on the internet? Oh, uh, let's if I find you know, it. Let's see what, <laughs> yeah, see what it looks like it first. first. Yeah. I'll screen it. I'll screen first it. First right yeah. of refusal. I, I remember Andrew WK was like very sick and still like the most gracious, like friendly, <laughs> like showed up for the interview despite feeling awful. He was he was great. He's that dude. Yeah. He's a, I saw him live in London at a students' union, and uh, my friend flew over from Ireland to stay at mine so we could go to the gig. And like, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 people were at the gig. Uh, the guy who started for him was a dude who had a flower pot over his head with uh-huh. a huge flower, and all he did was scream into a microphone, which then went into like a, a synthesizer, and he'd just like play music on it. And then Angel BK. For most most of the uh, event, the entire crowd was on the stage because it was like fifty or sixty people, right? And he did like ninety minutes. <laughs> so Jesus like, Christ! The guy's a champion, absolute hero. Um, uh, one, one more quick question: um, yeah. Is there any optical media in this? There probably wouldn't be, but like any CDs or DVDs, anything like that, because a ton mm-hmm. of assets, company assets, were mm-hmm. getting distributed on discs and then later USB sticks back then. But no, I have. The, uh, there was a small batch that I had when I worked there that I kept that is here, but it's I, I think it's mostly the GameSpot DVDs, the, the E3 ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I I'm pretty sure of those. I think they're all online as well, Alex. Are they, uh, I think YouTube has maybe <sighs> we'll, we'll double check. I don't know if it has those have everything. The documentaries from those are definitely up on YouTube somewhere, and I have those archived as well. Okay. I was, yeah, just, I was just wondering. I, I'll, I'll check through that, but like, no, but not a huge no. Okay. There's no like big CD yeah. thing, unfortunately. Because like the press kits they would distribute of, which were just files of you know, it's like here's a Word doc with all the info on the game. Here's like eight pieces of key art. Here's twelve screenshots. Uh, like sometimes videos, but those kind of just kind of like the tapes you're talking about, where like the tapes are 1080i, but they got busted down to shit to fit on a website. Right. right? Same stuff mm-hmm. of like. You could you could find some like extremely high res like intended for uh, print key art of game mm-hmm. stuff. Of course, because they just send you that right without that was the with, version they had without right? any yeah. logos or watermarks or anything on it because it wow. needed to be flexible for for print layouts and stuff like that. So, like, there's probably some like historic art also floating around. On stuff be, like I that. remember some of that was in Ryan McDonald's old office. I remember, but I don't know where that that probably some of that stuff maybe didn't. It's not here anyway. We've no hard drives or anything okay. like that. You know, okay. it's all it's all just um, beautiful videotapes. Sure, mm-hmm. there, there, there's kind of there's kind of a preservation effort around stuff like that as well. Like I found this is a much more recent example, but somebody posted the E3 2016 Nintendo press kit to archive.org. Oh, great! Which I downloaded recently because that was where that was like the big Breath of the Wild. Like kind of everybody played it. You know, it was almost out. Like Safaldi Cefal- has a bunch of this stuff too because oh, he got sure. the he got CDs for. Mm. I think it was either source files for magazines, maybe something like that. And then a bunch of press kits and things like that to the point where when we did, we've hired them. We did our crystal dynamics documentary. We did our DMA design doc. We hired um, the video game history foundation to basically go through their database that they have on, on their machines um, and pull out stuff. And a lot of it ends up being just like uh, magazine commercials or, you know, uh, yeah, press kits and things like that but it's co- cool like some of the stuff that's in there is like uh, for the GTA one he ended up finding a bunch of like concept art for GTA 2 right like the stuff looks incredible yeah like just a, um, a, an example from this Nintendo thing like I'm, I'm looking at a, a painting from Breath of the Wild like you see it in game like on the title screen this, right. this, this, this image is roughly 22,000 by 10,000 you could print it you yeah. could, like, <laughs> like yeah. some like insanely high quality stuff floating around it's so cool Alex, I found plenty of reviews by you. 
And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And please database. burn them all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully, Danny, I'll send you my cut list and uh, just Alex Navarro cut list from everything. I'll try and get this to you in a form that is readable. Thank uh, you. If it's if it's helpful at all, I think there are tape number. Are the numbers on the backs of the tapes? Are they yep. four digits? Generally, generally on the spines. Yeah. Okay. Then the, these might be somewhat accurate. Give me uh, if you have a number in front of you. Give me one. I'll try and look it up and see. If I it's... don't have any of the ones from okay. that era here. I only have the ones that are mostly three digit ones, the HD okay. cam ones. Um, but there are other ones. The DVC Pro ones I know are are that way. Um, Man, what a weird what a weird time. What a weird time. It's what a weird, weird little thing, but it keeps producing nice little nuggets. We, everyone's we put up you know we put up a video on the thing, and then people are like, oh my god, I haven't seen this in forever. Or, totally. You know, it's it's it's. It's pretty neat. Um, I'm hoping there's one or two like nuggets in there. Like the stuff that we're really looking for is, you know, assets and gameplay that were sent from studios mm. that have, you know, never turned up anywhere or early builds of games or whatever it is. Like that type of thing, you know, I, I think is is where some of the best, uh, the best, the goodies are. So that I'm <laughs> obviously finding Alex's review of a certain of, tru- of truck truck based uh, video game. There the were highest at least, resolution. There were at least five of those. I'm going to say the <laughs> Nvidia review form or some 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 way or another. That was your beat. Uh, I, regrettably, <laughs> it's so funny to have those. Um, my last thought on this is it's so funny to have someone look at that stuff as as an asset in the in the kind of sentimental as history se- yes history right when when you're in it and working and you chuck that thing into a box raw and you're like <laughs> i'm fucking going home yeah <laughs> like for i am so done with this work like you know i'm tired and just like i don't care what where this goes ever and you understand how the code to icewind dale gets lost right you're yeah. tired by the end it's funny how like it's actually made uh, me start to look a bit differently at the way the way that we retain or, mm. or archive our stuff because we keep everything, and we have some extended you know features and interviews. For instance, that we give out to patrons. Um, one of the ones we have is like the uncut interview we did with Todd Howard when we went to do the history of Bethesda, and it's like ninety minutes more maybe of uh, which we used like I don't know of him maybe 15, 20 minutes or something. Um, like. Should that be something we put up? You know what I mean? Like mm. maybe because it's it's like it's it's very watchable. The whole thing it's full of historical relevance, and so we have loads of that stuff. We have assets that got sent to us. We published some of them, like the Doom 2016 footage we put out there. Um, all the Ravenholm footage we got from Arcane, we put all that out there. It's one big video. You can watch the whole thing. Uh, no watermark. You know what I mean? It's all there. So like, but we have other stuff. You know that eventually that's going to be historic you know time just makes it historical and then it's okay to put on the internet so i don't know maybe when we turn 10 we'll put up a huge cache of our stuff as well or something like that yeah i think 25 years is the minimum so okay you gotta wait a little while um yeah and and also you know with with places that can store this with storage space becoming um less of an obstacle right like online storage space becoming less of an obstacle and and the ability to capture that stuff like it, it it's you know, this stuff at the time took up so much space, especially at its raw, its native resolution. It didn't last very long on your computer uh, in its native form. It, it would get cut down quickly, compressed, and then deleted um, and chucked in a box. Uh, uh, yeah, that stuff's awesome. I 
to those people watching it out there, I know everybody listening to this, watching it out there, I was watching the Nintendo thing and I saw some comments being like, why is this camera person just kind of like, like <laughs> zooming in and focusing um, and trying to get all these shots of the logo and like, why are they? And it basically, and one person was like, this this is a weird way for the camera person to archive this, you know, thing, right? right. To, to, to shoot like this tour of the Nintendo shop, the, the kind of, um, it was specifically the employee store stuff. And I've been thinking in my head, I'm sure Danny, the same thing when you watch that, you're like, no, you're shooting this for like five seconds of B-roll of a Nintendo logo, or you're you're finding the focus on something and zooming in and crash zoom. Yeah. You know, you're going to, this is going to be spliced in between an interview. You're going to use all of like 20 seconds of this in the end. It's not a walkthrough. I mean, there were plenty of walkthroughs that were filmed, but stuff like that is somebody just trying to get the coolest shots of a Mario head that look cool in in a half a second, you know? Yeah, so I think like uh, that's a good example of like, do we? How much effort do we have to do to contextualize this sort of stuff? Um, and it's like, yeah, calling it a tour is maybe actually not that accurate because it's not <laughs> what it's doing. Should we do something like title it as like raw footage? You know what I mean? Yeah, like in maybe. a way that like sort of gets ahead of that. Should be in the description. Basically, at the start, it's been a lot of like putting videos up and seeing if the comments kind of. They self-correct it out a lot, for themselves. Yeah. Like one guy was saying, like, "Oh, this is the most like 2006 <laughs> ass video I've ever seen." You know what I mean? It's that's yeah. why they're doing it. Yeah. But you're right. It's like uh, it's there's a bit of a learning process with like how to tag this, or will people figure it out? Like the same with the Kotor thing, where it's like because they have no context for what this video is. It's an E3 presentation, right? But it's like it's not. It's not like no one's ever seen a game really presented that way it's very strange so i was like will people understand that this isn't a trailer you know Mm. what i mean do they know like what do we have to name this thing to really so like behind closed doors was the phrase that i used it technically wasn't behind any closed doors because it wasn't actually at an event but i was like i don't know how else to communicate that this is not a an official asset this is not you know so so it's like (laughs) it's just weird especially with like yeah, with magazine stuff where sometimes they send stuff and they're only expecting it to be written up about. It wasn't mm-hmm. even it wasn't even like the video quality was that good because it didn't have to be. You know, right. they were just mostly this is just how to communicate with somebody with a bit of visuals. So yeah. There's some So weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. Uh, it does feel like uh, like like emptying out grandma's attic finding a bunch of photographs and deciding but, what to do with them or not. But also, <laughs> Grandma's not dead, you know? That's like grandma, <laughs> grandma just left all those photographs in the attic. She just moved to Boca Raton, and you just have to clear out the house. And she's like, please don't put those pictures of me in bathing suits on the internet. <laughs> or it's the more scandal. like grandma, grandma got divorced like four times, and it's like, I don't give That's, a shit yeah, anymore. Like, I'm, I'm living with the, my new husband over here. Like, whatever you found in the house, it's yours. Mm-hmm. Kids, go take the stuff. Please just clean it out. Yeah. Uh, well, if people want to go find out more, uh, Danny, where should they head first? Uh, tinyurl.com slash archive will bring you to the archive.org uh, page, which has the highest quality version. The raw files are not YouTube compressed. Um, and then if you go to, it's called Noclip Archive on YouTube. You can just look it up on YouTube or it's at Noclip Archive on YouTube. Um, that's where we're putting up the you know 99% it's the same some of you know some of it's tweaked slightly when uh the videos up there they've all got nice thumbnails on them on youtube <laughs> it's true is, they do I, we'll see how long i keep doing I, nice yeah, thumbnails I was, yeah, I was gonna say that also looks like a lot of time and effort to Dude, continue 
the hardest part is when you get a tape that's like there's one tape that's just like E3 99 B-roll and it's like 90 fucking minutes and oh dude is this one video or is this 90 videos is that, I, is that is that B-roll shot on the floor no that is all or, assets or trailers of games okay that is it is it, no it's not even I shouldn't even call it that because it is okay. literally trailers for games okay I yeah. don't know why it's all on one tape but that's how they used to just kind of wait are they different publishers different publishers oh, that, different, that is yeah. weird it's yeah. wild it's like a master tape that somebody put together oh wow okay. oh could, yeah. uh, could that have been used for like a the e3 live show maybe and on a television or something it, just playing? Uh, no it could have been for like a a, a show where there are cue points for somebody to queue up the next yeah, trailer that, for the live oh. show that's what i meant yeah because because we stop. would get assets for all yeah. that stuff ahead of time like on the low from companies to prepare yeah for the show right so and so you'd be you'd make the master tape and then you'd basically have cue points and then be like okay cue up the next trailer okay what did you see brad and then you know, brad would talk about that it would make sense trailer. because what because it's also not consistent some of its trailers and then at one stage it's just 30 minutes of star wars pod racer and right <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, that could yeah. have been like hey we're having a guest on the show for that and we need background stuff right so, yeah. yeah yeah it could have been could have been that's cool. I, the last thing I'll say here, if you do find like raw footage shot on E3 show floors from that era, I Just, absolutely will come up here and help okay, you because yes. I was at all those shows and I'm old the, enough now that I can't really easily call those memories to mind anymore. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it's, it would, it would, it would do the whole firing, the weird, the neurons that have been disused for 20 years thing of getting to see that stuff again. There is 100% all that stuff. Oh, and man. that's, but that's an area where I'm like, wh- where is like, some of that stuff's relevant maybe some of it's not that's a so yeah i could i could use some help with that there's one that just has kensha hall tour written on it (laughs) okay no that's the first thing you need to get over there and preserve right goddamn now that goes on the unlisted youtube channel and i could spin around that way the secret uh the secret yeah back channel (laughs) tape archive nothing matters more than this (laughs) okay do for kensha i've got my homework i've got my homework uh, all right. Thanks, Danny. We're going to uh, move forward quickly here uh, and take a look at some other news. Brad Shoemaker, you have pulled a couple of stories here to switch gears. Probably the biggest one is a return back. We were waiting for a little bit, but things kept happening with Microsoft, Activision, the FTC, uh, and uh, uh, judges. Brad, what's going on? I'll say this is probably the, the conclusion to the saga. At least in the states, probably. In the states, unless, yeah. Unless something crazy happens, the judge involved in the case uh, in which the FTC was seeking a preliminary injunction to halt the Microsoft acquisition of Activision, uh, the judge has denied that request. Uh, and look, none of us are legal scholars here, but all of Speak the for yourself, all of the sober <laughs> analysis of this that I have seen is pretty much yeah, it's dead. Like. The FTC is down until Friday to appeal, and like Bloomberg was reporting this morning that there's scuttlebutt that they are going to appeal, but also like all the analysis is this can get closed. The deal can be closed by the 18th now with this out of the way. Like that's how close this is to being done uh, is that that acquisition may be final within the next week unless something totally crazy happens. So they still have to figure out what's going on in, um, is it just the UK specifically? Or I forget, it wasn't the EU, right? It was the UK. Yeah, no, it's the EU cleared the deal. They cleared in the UK this year. Had, okay. Yes, yes. The EU, so like, again, you know. <laughs> right, grain of salt. We, we are mm-hmm. weird interpreting the stuff to the best of our ability, but 
what I read was this deal even could go forward with the UK still blocking it. They would just essentially have to carve the UK carve. out of the deal entirely <laughs> right. because the, because the rest of Europe has already signed off on it. Um, like the CMA, which is the kind of equivalent in the UK equivalent regulator very quickly after this decision came down, more or less said like we're pausing our own efforts hmm. uh, to block this. Although now a day later there's reporting that they're, or it's not even reporting. They put out a statement saying like um, that there may be a new investigation into the merger. If the terms of the deal change, I believe is what they're saying. Like essentially if the deal is restructured in any way that can give them cause for a new investigation, but is that actually going to happen? Is that saber rattling? I don't know. I'm, I think this deal is probably done. At, at least as far as the U S and seemingly the EU is concerned, it feels think- like this thing is pretty much set. I think I think this is going to happen in short order unless something truly insane happens. I, I think I kind of end up where Alex, you. I, I mean, there was a, there was a pretty intense, and I, I've seen this debated too about you know what the strategy has been at the FTC to kind of uh, disrupt some of these giant mergers that are coming through. But I think Alex, what you said is kind of where I fall is like, f- who's got the most money? And that's mm-hmm. probably going to win the day, right? Are like, they willing to spend their way out of this problem? Yeah. yeah. It, it's like I, a lot of moneyed interests. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own view on things. Like I did see a lot of reporters saying the FTC's case was relatively weak here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I can't. That's just what has been said. I can't certainly can't lend any, any opinion there. It's funny to me. Um, it's always seemed like a smaller merger than others. Like if, if EA was getting bought, I'd I'd feel like it was a bigger thing, or even Ubisoft. But Activision like has a I don't know. Am I crazy? Aside from the Blizzard aspect of it, which also you could argue is maybe in flux. Uh, it's not like they've got that much of a like stacked bench of games. Like no, it's very, very top heavy. Is what yeah. it is. I mean, it's it's Call of Duty being as big as it is. It's King being right. as big as it is in the mobile space, and then all the Blizzard stuff basically are what are. You know, obviously, it's not Tony Hawk or or the the guitar wreck of hero. the Guitar Hero IP yeah. mm-hmm. uh, um, that is that is causing an issue here. Uh, some of the um, interesting stuff I've heard from the dev world is like there's a lot of I've heard from people who are within the Activision umbrella, sort of holding, waiting, and hoping for this to go through, uh, and hoping that with it comes like the sort of security of Microsoft and maybe some some changes in culture at the executive level, yeah. that type of thing. Um, so it seems like at least within Activision, folks are hoping it happened, at least on the on the shop floor. That's 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 interesting to hear because that's kind of where I have fallen on this as well. Is that you know obviously like broad scale consolidation is bad in general, but in this specific case, it's kind of hard to see anybody doing a worse job running Activision than the current leadership <laughs> has done. So yes, like I, you know, there's a. There's a whole bunch of other paths, maybe splitting up Activision or kind of, um, you know, breaking things apart or making Microsoft kind of break things apart. My worry is, you know, we've talked about this before, but is as consolidation happens, you are at the mercy of one bigger toppling, maybe not toppling, but um, moving giant, right? You're kind of attached to that ship now. So if Microsoft hits troubled waters, everything below starts hitting troubled waters too, right? So you know, um, what survives, who gets laid off, what, what echoes and trickles down. So that's always scary too. But I think all your points are totally valid of like Activision, not in calm waters, at least for the last 
for foreseeable for the memory I have of Activision, modern Activision, you know, it has been troubled. Yeah, and and you know, all the reporting that has come out about just how troubled it was was deeply disturbing. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, if this goes through, I think there's gonna be a real. <laughs> this is the biggest one, right? In the, in our space, and 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 is it in the biggest one in U.S. It's the biggest history? One period. period. Yeah. It's the biggest. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think you know some of the analysis I've seen is like time and place stuff for the FTC to really make their case that I think this is one of them to try. And I, I saw the same analysis, Brad of like, maybe it was a weaker case than it should have been, or, or they didn't have the the goods on that one. But like, man, I mean, if this, if they keep getting bigger, we will wind up in the like five mega corps uh, <laughs> fighting it all out in the end. Uh, because that's, that's, we are definitely going <laughs> to end up there at some point. <laughs> that's a lot. So I can't believe Epic was one of them. I was I wasn't expecting that at all to be one of the five companies. Epic, yeah, the Jazz Jackrabbit people. Yep, Joel the Jungle. Unreal, Unreal Tournament's own. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. Did um, that, are you going to serve with a, a Epic slash? Uh, um, who is their? What's their big? Uh, their big partner. Tencent. Are they next? Like yeah. That's yes. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to join with that army when it comes down to the the corporal wars? Yeah, because they've got the Redeemer. It's a fucking true. nuclear missile. True. Fair point. Microsoft's got the BFG, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Epic, well, I don't know if Epic's, the Epic uh, Army or the Tencent Army sounds better, but I don't know what will look better on my uniform. We're really, uh, I hope they get figure their branding out when we have to go yeah, Marcus fight. Phoenix, right? <laughs> yes. She's on, yes. We're all fighting for water rights. Yeah, that's the metaverse some, I want, I where it's some, just corporate wars. Like some big-ass metal shoulder pads out of this deal, yeah. and sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not, it sounds like some of some of what swayed the judge was like Microsoft pledging to bring all the Activision stuff to cloud streaming platforms and right. like bring Call of Duty to Switch. And the judge basically looked at that and said, like, these things are not on these platforms now. Right. Like, this is them broadening the market, Was I believe, is how that decision was justified, at least to an extent. Did the cloud I, streaming stuff seem over, you know, talked about? It's, it, they seem to talk a lot about cloud streaming. That, is cloud streaming a thing anymore, or is it going to be? Well, the UK regulatory commission yeah. certainly seem to think it is. Yeah, I think live services and streaming. Uh, you know, I think it's going to keep going forward. I, I mean, if you if you if you want to make the distinction between GameSpot Live and and you know cloud streaming, that's that's a real distinction there. One's you know a service for games locally too, but I think those are going to merge and move forward. I I think personally, uh, and be a bigger player. Like I don't know. I mean, Danny, you might not have a console in 10 years. You might just be, you, you have an app, right? It's, it's very possible. I, here in the States, we have a lot of infrastructure to do with internet and also around the world before I think somebody abandons a console entirely. But I think that's, I think that's fair to bring up as forward looking and, and a danger. I guess if it's forward future, yeah, yeah. future thinking, maybe. Yeah. Um, some of the other things I saw, Brad, too, were, that were interesting to see from us covering this was like, with the judge like acknowledging the switch is part of the console you know uh no, like a weird aspect of this is like yeah. legal perspectives on is the nintendo switch a video game console or is it not yeah. uh the, is the pc a video game? And pc is not the no, switch PC is not. yeah pc uh, is not the switch is and uh <laughs> those things are just kind of interesting to be like okay this is some system wars level shit going on here in a courtroom they never ended <laughs> yeah uh, another another aspect of this i picked up on is i you know there was a lot to follow here but um another thing that could seem to help sway the judge was 
some of Sony's arguments about this being anti-competitive were undermined in the judge's eyes by Sony's own extensive history of paying for third-party exclusives. Right. Yeah. Um, as, as another kind of data points. So, yeah. And you know, look, it can't be, it probably shouldn't be overstated. We are in an atmosphere of mergers, right? This is, this is kind of the, you're, you're bucking the trend by trying to disrupt this merger. The, the kind of momentum is more in the merger's favor. So cultural business wise. Uh, but yeah, not the last we will probably have of this, but I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm with you guys and this seems kind of inevitable at this point then. Uh, Brad, uh, a black Panther game. Yes. Yay has announced a black Panther game. Uh, in production at a new studio in Seattle called Cliffhanger Games, mm-hmm. uh, which they are pretty forwardly uh, describing as including a lot of veterans of Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Ooh, from Monolith. Got that monolith sounds there. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like sounds like some some members of Monolith have, and that also a Seattle studio, so have 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 jumped ship at some point and founded a new studio under the EA banner. Um. And they are doing an open world Black Panther game, and they don't come out and say Nemesis System, but some of the language in here. I think legally they can't. Yes, I mean, right. yeah, that came oh, out yeah. a few years ago that the Nemesis System is quite literally patented. Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're dedicated to delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven video game. Um. I think EA described it as having a reactive world. Sure. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I it, just, I just looked up Michael DePlatter on Twitter, uh, who is the creative lead on shadow of war and shadows of Mordor. And he does, he did retweet this cliff armor games thing. And he says he's currently at EA. Okay. So there you go. He's probably working on this then. I imagine. Yes, the 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 lead on this is Kevin Stevens, who was the studio head of Monolith during okay. Shadow of Mordor. So, yeah, still, I mean, you know, still early. Still yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Sounds like it's like we don't know much of anything yet. But. Years away. I don't think they really showed any footage of anything specific yet. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, like people, people pushing forward in that space, that kind of dynamic narrative stuff. And also in the Marvel space. Real bummer that it's been almost a decade <laughs> since Shadow of Mordor came out and not a whole lot else has happened with that concept. Mm-hmm. So this is pretty exciting to see. Uh, moving on to a di- Digital Eclipse's next, uh, I don't know, like next celebration of a... Putting your ass out of business, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Drew was A2 Brute, Drew Scanlon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, this stuff sounds great um, for yeah. uh, a, a game that I loved growing up, and I will continue to call. Um, How do you pronounce it? I used to say Karatika. Karatika. <laughs> I know it's some people say Karatika. I said Karatika. I played it on the Commodore sixty four, <laughs> um, and I loved it, even though it was incredibly hard. Uh, yeah. I, like, so like I've never played Karatika. I did not grow up with it. And yet I'm also very interested in this thing, which I think is just like a testament to how powerful this stuff can be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Digital Eclipse makers of Atari 50 have essentially franchised that concept now with the gold master series, <laughs> which is a pretty good title for a yeah, line of bad. these things. 
Um, and yeah, they're starting with Karatika. The product is called The Making of Karatika. And they seem to have access to like a kind of ridiculous amount of material on this thing. If like, ever there was a, a developer to work with, though, who could give you access, because Jordan Mechner is insanely yeah like he kept everything the, yeah. the book on prince of persia came out a couple of years ago and it's his diary right. of of like when he was making that game yeah i mean there, there are kept, shots kept, in the trailer oh i'm sorry no 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 like uh, you're probably going to allude to it like yes. all the tapes he kept yeah so the the, there are shots of like like notebook paper in this with drawings and notes from the time that he made like there's yes there's footage in here of his dad climbing on a car <laughs> like the, the, the footage they used to rotoscope the graphics is in here and i believe you can like jog the game graphics over the footage in this and see exactly frame by frame how it was rotoscoped. Um, like every version of the game ever released does, is on here. They've remade a new version of the game for this as well. Uh, they've got Mechner's previous two games before Karatika. Also, he was a college student when he made Karatika. Yeah, because he, he was two, young when he made Prince of Persia. Yeah, that was after it. Yeah. yeah, but apparently he made two games before Karatika and those are both on here as well neat um it's awesome it is great that this is continuing to happen i did reach out to one drew scanlon when i saw this story on the rundown uh for a quote and he (laughs) he sent me back um he says where does this part that i can actually read aloud say (laughs) not just read all of it um (laughs) it's cool to do a project with the approach of atari 50 but not necessarily at that scale since not everything is going to be like that. There are so many stories that are of a similar scope to Karataka that deserve a deep dive, which is why we created the Gold Master Series label. We want to make a whole line of these. But for Karataka in particular, I'm mostly just excited for people to find out how Autumn Jordan Mechner's dad is, Francis. (laughs) He contributed to the game in some really big ways that should make him a de facto video game pioneer. But nobody uh, knows about him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like there's, there's there's footage of Jordan and his father in this trailer. I, I got to talk to Chris Kohler about this stuff recently as well. And yeah, I guess his dad, if I did the math right, would, would have been like in his fifties when this game got made. But his dad <laughs> wow. did the music for this thing. His dad acted as the rotoscope model. Like like his 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 fifty fifty something year old dad in the early eighties was like deeply involved in the production of this game. It's all uh, still cool. alive, still alive at 92, I think. Wow. Oh, damn. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, yeah this, it's, it's, it's awesome. Those yeah. uh, DE of like the Atari 50 collection was just such a dream to see. Like you were saying earlier about like, should, would it be great if studios recorded their own documentaries? Like this is actually the way to do it, which is mm. like, oh man, you get to like play the game and play the documentary. Like when I realized that's what Atari 50 was, I was instantly way more interested because one of the things about those classic games is like devoid of context. They're not as interesting, but once you like get a bit of a flavor of the import that they had at the time, playing them is more fun because you kind of you get it. You're like, oh, this is an important game. And yeah, like, this is what it was doing that was new, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I should also mention that Digital Eclipse are used to be our landlords, and the office that they're in now was the old NoClip um, offices, uh, which is uh, pretty cool. So we went over and uh, met a bunch of them. I hadn't seen Mike Micah since before covid and i was over there a couple of months ago checking in on them uh the video game history foundation is there as well frank safaldi has his own thing so it's a cool place to go to because it's just a bunch of people who really give a shit about Mm -hmm. the history of games and and are doing it in like different ways uh yeah and and the place where they record all the interviews downstairs is where we used to record all of our stuff before covid uh had us out of there so it's uh 
it's cool. It's a cool spot. Cool spot. I'm glad they're moving forward with this type of um historical uh mm. um compilation. Yeah, it's interactive in a way that games need to be interactive, I think, sometimes to really get that full effect. Yeah. Uh Speaking of video games and its history and uh, what will be remembered and what will not, Brad, this last story here about Yuji Naka. Sometimes Yuji. the past cast, cast, <laughs> catches up with you. Yuji Naka sentenced to prison oh, for Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> the, the, the audience has the cry. <laughs> they finally, finally got him. <laughs> finally, the game's so bad. <laughs> Someone had to be punished. <laughs> uh, no, this is, this is the result of the, the couple of insider trading uh arrests of his that we've talked about before it's two and a half years but it is a suspended sentence so he's not actually going to serve jail time mm. unless he offends again <laughs> within the i believe it's a four-year window be stopped three strikes you're out uh, on insider trading he is being fined 1.2 million dollars though Ugh. yeah that's uh that's no small sum i hope he i don't think uh i don't think balan wonderland's gonna pay for that <laughs> Oh, that's a this whole thing is just a bummer yeah <laughs> like it's a bummer I mean, it is but also what the fuck was he doing i don't man? know no yeah, nothing what, good what the fuck was that dude doing he's the, the, the man created sonic the hedgehog though <laughs> he but he couldn't run that fast apparently yeah. he, he couldn't escape the law mm-hmm. oh my god uh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he got blast processed into jail that music, that underwater music came on and he was like shit i gotta find an air bubble <laughs> gotta flush the money down the toilet uh yeah it's just a bummer um do you think you think square enix knew about this like at the kind of around the time he left i like, don't know any, any, like i don't know i mean it seemed like all the strife between him and square was over the way that Balan wonderworld went <laughs> you know he claimed that, that he was taken off the project uh, before it came out which is like why he six sued months them. before yeah it sounds like yeah yeah, yeah. so I don't know if they knew anything about this or what exactly uh, went on there. Yeah, all right. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty inauspicious fate for a fairly significant yeah, figure what, in the history of video games. Though. I think yeah. that's what's kind of depressing about it. Especially that and Balan Wonderworld, right? Like these are this is mm-hmm. the legacy you're leaving behind. Uh, that's just kind of a bummer. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the news, and that's probably going to do it for this podcast. Uh, Danny, thank you very much for coming on and uh, spitting some game with us about uh, history, video games, what's on the tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our where, messy histories. Uh, the messy, em- messiest Embarrassing history. pasts, our... <laughs> our stressful current lives all of the all of the above all of the above yeah uh, no it's it's right it's always a pleasure to to chat with you guys it's been i've been it's funny because it's like i get to do that whole uh what is it called again where you have like a relationship with somebody or you don't actually know on the internet parasocial <laughs> i get to do that with like people i actually know now you <laughs> Can know what you I mean? do, do you do that does that apparently yeah, for, like listening to lexander podcast i think i've talked yeah. to you like i haven't talked to brad and alex in a long time i talked to you infrequently once uh-huh. every nine months maybe uh-huh. or something so Look, it's like, but but i always feel like i'm in touch because i'm listening to you oh, okay every week. Uh, you know you know, what I mean? it's, it's it's the same old games press thing of like 
I don't hang out with any of my friends in San Francisco. I only hang out with them when we're all out of town at a trade show. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. That was like, that was my decision making of like, do I go to E3 this year? And it's like, I ended up not going because um, me and Drew went to a NASCAR race instead, <laughs> which maybe says a lot about where I am professionally. I don't know. He told me um, about that and it sounded awesome. It was great. We had a great yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it got absolutely pretty blast. good. Um, but it, that was the reason was like, oh, I haven't seen anyone in a while. But, you know. Mm. Well, it was great to see you now uh, or yeah, for the you. audience to hear from you. Uh, again, no clip, uh, over, uh, I'm going to assume, uh, people should go check out the Patreon first and then figure out where everything else is from there. Sure. Why not? Patreon.com slash no clip, uh, type no clip in the internet. You'll either get us or you'll get that one backroom level, which apparently teenage, it's like, like a creepypasta, you know, the backrooms, that whole weird like liminal know. spaces, videos of like offices, like people crawling through weird ah, infinite offices. Okay. And then you like go under a desk and then you're in a big swimming pool. It's all like CG shit, but it became a creepypasta. But there's okay. one of them that's called No Clip. So we just have these like 12 year olds <laughs> pop up in our Discord sometimes who are like, how do I get the, to, to, how do I get to the next <laughs> oh, level? Like, no, dear. It's just, you just go delete. No, then, you don't, you're not like, it's in the $5 tier. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> all your, all your questions will be answered. Do a documentary on it is what you're telling me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Do a documentary. Wow. A documentary on no clip, no clips, no clip documentary. Yeah. Uh, Where does it end? Like you said, everything you do now has to be converted into content. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. (laughs) That's the life we live. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff going up on the site. Uh, we've got the, uh, the planner site, the site. I will never never say that. I listen. We just Web walked zone. out of the twenty-year-old time warp. I get to yeah, say, yeah, fair. Our uh, <laughs> our audio and films are going up on sites. Uh, you can catch it. We have a planorama that'll be going up this week, where we go through uh, July's release calendar. We've got the Ramble cast. We've got uh, uh, Brad playing a uh, hang two over uh, uh, that archive is up, and I'm very happy to say the Watchcast is back. Mm-hmm. And we are watching uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Season one. Uh, that is up now over at patreon.com slash nextlander. If you happen to be over at Patreon, you may be checking out no clip. You can swing over and go check out nextlander. And there's a, there's a good old thing there called the watch cast. And that's where you can find us uh, talking over uh, or uh, talking about not Twin over. Peaks. Not over. Yes. No. Yes. Uh, we will never it. be over Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> we watch it and then we talk about it uh, yes. over at the Patreon. There is one tier there that gets their names read on this here show. It is the mysterious benefactors tier. Alex Navarro. Can you read our mysterious benefactors for this week? I can and will. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Brad's Midsize Hoodoo Voodoo, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre is just here for the zip line, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Crimes, Bunny, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Chad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Andrew Slosky, Edward Chick, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, 
and Tyler Trees. You know, it's weird. I didn't see Danny's name on here. No, not a mysterious benefactor. Although uh, several of those names are, are familiar for me from other <laughs> patrons that okay. I'm on. Shout out to Buddy Crimes. I just wanted to there. shame you for not giving us more money. You, you know what's funny, actually, is that we have our own, like, sort of equivalent to, to the Mysterious Benefactor mm-hmm. one. I was going to call it Mysterious Benefactor. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Well, it's, it's a it's a Half-Life reference, isn't it? Oh, uh, we, no, we, we, we went with the Mass Effect. Mass Effect version of oh, it. Oh, of course. Yes. Your yes. Mysterious Benefactor. Yeah, and I thought it was a Half-Life 1. I might have, maybe I got that wrong. I don't think either of them invented the concept of the Mysterious Benefactor. Yeah, I think the the original concept was generic, and then the elusive man kind of backfilled his way in. That's where we were going. Now I have to ask you. That that always tickled me. Uh, (laughs) Because I had a, we, we, we ended up making it a joke tier and calling it a battle pass. Um, okay, that's very I, funny. Okay. So, but 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 that was the name I had for a while. So it always tickled me that that you guys went for that as well. And it was like, wow, we're <laughs> just yeah, right out there. It's just right mm-hmm. out there. It is. It's a good uh, one. Well, thank you to all our mysterious benefactors who joined our battle pass, uh, and to everybody who has uh, helped Nextlander along, and thanks to everybody who's helped No Clip along as well. Uh, I'm sure Danny appreciates. Really? It. Danny would echo the sentiment. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, that is going to do it for our show this week. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Danny O'Dwyer from Noclip. Um, congratulations to you and to the rest of, uh, when I say the team, everybody that has contributed to, to, to Noclip and Noclip Archive at this point. Uh, thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Thank you, Alex Navarro. We'll be back with more of the Next Lander podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs>